who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Indiana Jones fans and welcome to a brand new episode here that's a spoiler review for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny from the Geek <gasps> Buddies! <gasps> hey! We're back at it again this week uh, to have a little fun uh, breaking down a new film that is out in theaters now came out on Friday much anticipated film fifth installment in the Indiana Jones franchise, this one called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, directed by James Mangold and written by these three or four people, Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, David Kep, and James Mangold. I don't know if they have any relation to the Butterworth syrup that I like to drink, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe somewhere in the back. But there is so much for us to break down and get into and discuss on this film. We're gonna, and this is a spoiler review, y'all. So thanks very much for joining us. We are going to spoil the hell out of this film. So if you haven't seen the film, you don't want it to get spoiled, then thanks for clicking here. Stop right now, go and watch it, and then click right on back where you left off and watch our review. Or if you don't care about having it spoiled, welcome aboard the ill-fated boat with Antonio Banderas, and we will see where this whole thing ends up. And make sure to not have your uh, breathing line cut. Um, all right, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. Uh, this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now on Netflix with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, seasons one and two. And in just a week or two, season three is going wow. to be coming onto Netflix. Looking forward to that. And you know, oh, YouTube, not, not Netflix, YouTube. Oh, sorry, sorry, YouTube, sorry, sorry. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. YouTube. Look forward to that for sure. Um, and look, we don't have Michael Vogel for this review, and we were scouring the internet to try to see who we could bring on 
to the show that would be a valid, if not an upgrade, for Michael Vogel. <laughs> and we found him. Uh, and we looked through our friends' dockets, and we found the co-host of the movie, guys, the co-host of the Ford Fiesta podcast, which is a podcast that I have been on to talk about Harrison Ford with. So who better? Oh, and Schmodown legend, who better to hang <laughs> out with us to talk about Harrison Ford, to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but the great Paul Preston. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you? Thank you. How was my uh, geek? Was it Vogel-esque? That's all I'm trying to do is, uh, <laughs> is fill in best I can for, his, uh, for the gap he leaves when he's not in the show. And uh, by the way, Shannon, Shannon, I love the the drawing, the caricature of you three guys. They gave you quite the facial hair in that uh, caricature of the three of you for your logo here. I love that I mean... uh, artistic license. Okay, I've I've had I literally just clipped it because I had to do a self tape audition that your lady was was so nice enough to help me. That's oh, true. So that did there happen. was. There was a more significant beard. Um, there was a more significant beard. Are you uh, trying uh, to say that this beard is not realistic to the actual Shannon McClung beard? Is that, is that what you're trying to God, say? Who is that? Who is that a picture of? Anyway, that's... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, if I knew we were going to shave, I wouldn't have let my lady anywhere near you. But that's <laughs> Am I that terrible looking with facial hair? <laughs> no, if I think you around, it would have succumbed to your, uh, your boyish yeah, charm. Yeah. Your oh, copy that. After all these years, finally succumbing to it would be something. <laughs> to but yes, we're going to get into it. As you can tell, we're old friends. So the ball busting will continue, as you would have uh, <laughs> expected on a uh, Geek Buddies review with Michael Volga. But we have Paul Preston here today. Paul, I got to ask you, what uh, before we start the whole review, just to let yes. people know a little more about you. Maybe some of our Geek Buddies fans don't know you or didn't see you in the Schmodown. Please let people know like how you got into all of this movies and why did you start the Ford Fiesta podcast, which is a podcast that dives, it's a show you have on the Movie Guys Network that dives into the uh, uh, history of Harrison Ford. And you guys go from the obscure movies through the middling movies into the big movies. So wh what started this whole thing for you and started the Movie Guys and also that Ford Fiesta show? Well, back in 1977, <laughs> probably like you, the Star Destroyer flew over my head in the Oneonta Theater. And I'm like, what is even happening here? I need to know more. And since then, you know, I have looked into movies as much as I possibly can. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I came home from that movie. My brother took me and I was fired up. I was like, why wow. can't you believe that much action ever happened? Set the standard for nonstop relentless action in a movie that only has been copied since. And uh, after a while, I realized Adam Witt, who is my co uh, yes partner in crime over at the movie guys he and I, we realized there are harrison ford movies we haven't seen so we wanted to create the ford fiesta where we look at one harrison ford movie each episode starting with dead heat in a merry-go-round the famous one where he says paging mr ellen to james coburn as a uh, like a bellhop type guy all the way up to call the wild now what we didn't realize was that he would have a renaissance and yeah now and our show's talking about 1923 and shrinking and Dial of Destiny is in appearances and the magazines about him. You know, he's, he's all over the place. Look at these. I had to go out and wow. like get the magazines because he's everywhere. Wow. And so we're busy, busy, busy covering all the current Harrison Ford news as well as looking at every movie he's ever done. And who knew there were seven movies before American Graffiti, which I call the most fun you can have with a movie you've never seen before. Uh, these crazy things where he was like in the studio system and it's like, let's stick him in a Western. Let's stick him in this, uh, 
you know, uh, this college drama, let's stick him in whatever. So we cover all those movies and then we get to the big stuff. Right now we're in the middle of his 80s run, which is just unprecedented. I mean, when you get to yeah. like Empire, Raiders, uh, Blade Runner, Jedi, Temple of Doom, Witness. I mean, those are all in a row. It's just crazy. Yeah, and you'll see uh, Don Roca again when we get to the 90s. We're almost there in the big Patriot Games episode. And we're not going to stop until we get to uh, to the current big hit. The Dial of Destiny. Yeah, yeah for Destiny. sure. Shannon, what's your um, connection to Indiana Jones, the character, and Harrison Ford as uh, as this character? Like, how important has this character been in your life? Because I know it's something we've talked about off camera. Maybe some of our viewers and listeners haven't had quite the uh, uh, in-depth connection to how you feel about this situation. Uh, one of the first movies that I remember seeing in a theater is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I mean, I was like six. <laughs> I was probably <laughs> way too young to be watching that. I went with my sisters and two of my cousins who were also also gals. And I remember when the heart ripping scene came out, my cousin Cindy dropped her popcorn. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, in, in like a 10 year old's hands, you know, this giant popcorn just went everywhere. But there was just something so cool about him because at that time I was having difficulty distinguishing between Han Solo and Indiana Jones, I'm just like, no, no, that's that's Han Solo. Why is he now in a hat? And why is he why, why aren't there uh, spaceships around him? Um, but the more uh, the more I, you know, got older, <laughs> and was just like, oh, this is an actor. And um, I think it was probably in Last Crusade that my love for that, for, for the character in the franchise really kind of yeah. sets. Uh, I mean, I remember I imagine both you all remember. Um, the the uh, now in production Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade teaser that played in theaters oh, yeah. where they were showing Harrison Ford on the horse, a hat, his hat kept flying off. And then at the end, he grabbed a stapler and, and, and stapled it. Um, but just seeing like the director chairs, you know, hitting, you know, hitting the frame saying from Steven Spielberg, from George Lucas, starring Harrison Ford. And I don't think it said introducing Sean Connery, but I mean, it was it was announced that you know, Sean Connery was going to be in this movie. Um there was just something about that character. I mean, that type of film, that adventure, explorer, treasure hunt type movie, as much as I was weaned on Star Wars, yeah. um, Indiana Jones is is really the one that has just, that has really just kind of taken, taken a hold of me. I mean, every adventure game, I will give a chance, I will give a shot with. I mean, even though like now I'm, getting you know motion sickness and can't really play them anymore um but I, but i will give everyone a shot i mean i love the uncharted video games because i'm like this is oh, like yeah. playing yeah. a modern day indiana jones yeah um so just watching you know the excitement at kingdom of the crystal skull and you know the after effects of when it maybe didn't hit all the right notes for everybody um and then knowing that he was coming back for one last adventure i mean we talked about it many times on our show i was very uh trepidatious yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. like you know what maybe you know we struck out last time maybe a, a, a last at bat is yeah. not the answer here and i'm and i'm glad to say that i was uh i was wrong yeah i needed yeah. if i may interrupt my yeah, star sure. trek six i needed my star trek six that crystal skull came in and uh, you know, I needed yeah. the apology movie, and so I'm so glad I got it as well. Yeah, no, it's a good point. So, you I could think. you could compare Crystal Skull to Star Trek Five. I totally understand that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, for me it was you know I was uh, what 11, 12 when the first one came out. Eleven, I guess, and 
that was huge or 10. I was actually 10 because it came out. Uh, I was in the later in the fall. So it was a, a, a hell of a thing to witness. Then Temple of Doom came out. And I was really just did not like it. It was like I remember that being one of the first disappointments I had as a young adult uh, in the movie theater. And then Crusade came out when I had like graduated high school. And so I was kind of a gl glimpsing adulthood. And I'd, I'd been through the wars with my dad. And I just remember, and I was still in those wars with my dad. So I remember when that movie came out, that had such a profound effect on me on viewing these things and seeing these things. And Harrison Ford is a character. And I liked that the film was willing to make, or the series was willing to uh, tackle him getting older, tackle him dealing with his father, tackle him trying to find his identity, you know, because he's such a badass in 81, but by 89, he kind of reverts to being the kid to his dad in that scene. So I thought it was gutsy. But then you have Crystal Skull, which we had waited so long for a new Indiana Jones movie, and that comes out and is such a massive disappointment. I think it's 2000, uh, it was 2008, yeah, so it was a while ago. So then this one comes out, and I was at the same shit. I'd seen the reviews, seen this. I wasn't sure. Walked in, we saw it together, and when we left, I had such a smile on my face, feeling the vibes again that I had felt for Crusade and for Raiders. So very excited to jump in and talk about this one and break it down and see how what our feelings are about all the different things that going on that went on in this movie. So I'm um, just to let you know the Streamlabs and super chats are open. I already see one super chat that's come through. We will definitely read them as we go along. The address is right above Shannon's head. It's pinned in the chat. It's in the description of the video as well. So send in your support for us. Unfortunately, we could not get a three-minute review from Michael Vogel. We had asked him to do it, uh, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to send us in any kind of video to do it. So maybe when we do our, our, our main show later on this week, Michael will give a quick uh, three-minute review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. But we are excited to dive in. So, all right, Shannon, I turn to you first. This was an interesting film. We got a lot of shades of what we've seen with the, the Indiana Jones series. We got Nazis. We got a young sidekick. We got a new female partner here. We got uh, to see this idea of an artifact, the anti-Kythera. Anti the anti-Kythera here being an in instrumental artifact that they need to get and find to keep out of the hands of the Nazis because we've got a Nazi who wants to go back in time and help Germany win the war because he thinks Hitler was a simp and he's going to take him out and put himself in charge and they're going to win the war and then the whole earth is essentially going to be controlled by the Nazis. We get time travel uh, and then at the end, we get Marion Ravenwood showing up and we go on this massive arc for Indy, who is a grumbly, angry at the tail end of his life guy in 1969. And by the end of the movie, he's a guy who has refound and rediscovered his joy of life and his heart. And we do find out that Mutt has been killed off in the series, sadly, in World War II. So, um, Shannon, Vietnam. Oh, sorry, Vietnam. Vietnam, Vietnam, sorry, sorry. Shannon, your thoughts, right? Because it was, yeah, your thoughts overall on this film and what we got to experience and what we got to see in this one. Again, going in with uh, very realistic expectations, you know, hearing the sort of lukewarm reception that it had coming out of Cannes. Um, I, I went in, you know, John, Johnny, you know, we saw at, at that press screening at yeah. Disney. And so Disney. it was sort of like, we'll see. Well, you know, we'll see. I just I just want I just want to have one good last adventure with the man in the hat. And John and I turned to each other multiple times during the movie. And we're like, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. This is this is really good. Like, I don't know what the issue is here. Um, you know, you get to the end and, you know, they they take some big swings. I wasn't sure how the time traveling was going to work for everybody. 
And uh, for me, it did. I mean, you know, we, we talked about afterwards sort of, you know, the, the, the third acts of these movies and is going back in time that different from releasing ancient Hebrew ghosts or, or meeting an 800 year old knight. I mean, this all kind of, this all kind of lines up, um, you know, where I, I really enjoyed Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I really enjoyed uh, Toby Jones, the way that they felt like an like Indiana Jones characters, they felt like them the way that Jim Broadbent and Ray Winstone didn't mm. feel like them, and that's not a that's that's no uh, uh, critique of their abilities because they're both phenomenal performers, yeah. but they just didn't fit in the world, and it it almost seems like when Crystal Skull was made, and I'll try not to make this about Crystal Skull, uh, but it seems like when Crystal Skull was made, maybe Spielberg, Lucas, and Harrison Ford kind of forgot how to do it. Yeah. And because it had been so long, they'd all done so many things in between Last Crusade and now that maybe they really couldn't see the forest for the trees. And what you needed was an outsider like James Mangold to come in and give it a uh, give it a shot in the arm of that Spielberg energy that Spielberg doesn't really use anymore. Like he's gone on to make different types of films. He's matured as a director. Um, So overall, I was super happy. I mean, you know, we walked out being like, okay, yeah, there's some issues. There there are some problems. I went and saw it again. Mm -hmm. And like any movie that you really enjoy, the problems recede and what you enjoy moves to the front. And while I certainly acknowledge the critiques that other people do have, um, they're not, they don't stand out for me because I just love that we got one last great, one last great adventure with the man in the hat. Yeah, uh, great points here you bring up, Shannon Paul. I mean, James Mangold step. This is a, I mean, this is a tough situation to step into. This is a guy who has established himself a lot over the last few re- years, really stepping away from these gaggle of directors that he was kind of looped, uh, lumped in with. Now he's kind of stepped out on his own with Logan, stepped out on his own with Ford versus Ferrari. You can throw in that 310 to Yuma remake, and now he's doing a Star Wars film. So stepping in to take the reins from the legendary Steven Spielberg to direct an installment for a, of a beloved character like Indiana Jones, we see all kinds of action sequences. As I said, we get the Nazis back. We have an artifact. We have this idea that he's got to go through all this stuff to find out where he belongs in the world again. And it seems like the film fixes some of the issues that people have had about Indiana Jones with his kind of first world point of view, with the woman that is always there to service him rather than to be his equal. It's And, and you got a new sidekick instead of short round. We have another sidekick. And, a, and maybe one of the most ruthless villains of the series. So what did you think overall of this film uh, now that you've seen it a few times? Well, you just covered a lot. Um, I, <laughs> just throwing it all out there. Let me just, uh, I, I mean, where to begin? Uh, first of all, um, Mangold, I believe, is a big Indiana Jones fan. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that just by watching this movie, he seems to have joy. I mean, who didn't want another World War II adventure out of Indy? I mean, when you think about uh, either in Crystal Skull, when they're talking about his history with the, with the feds, or, if, uh, or just in general, going from 89 to 2008 with there are so many more adventures we could be having with Indiana Jones of World War II where he's fighting the Nazis. Why, why aren't we getting those? You know me, I think there should be like nine 
Raider, you know, Indiana Jones movies and like eight or ten Ghostbuster movies, but we get what we get. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think Mangold went back and with that first 20 minutes just really delivered the Indiana Jones movie we all wanted out of World War II. You know, yeah. more of the same sort of high energy, madcap, crazy uh, action sequences like we get, um, like we got here and like we used to get back in the day. So, overall, I mean, I love the fact that he sprinkled that kind of energy, excitement, and action that we love from the original franchise over brand new themes that we haven't seen yet. Well, he talked about Jim Broadbent and uh, Crystal Skull. I, I'm softening on over the years. Boy, I, I hate it. I didn't see it for 15 years. I saw it in the theater and when I'm out right. for 15 years. I saw it again this February at the New Beverly Cinema uh, with The Faithful, which helps, right? Everybody who was there was ah. there for that, and it was kind of exciting. And I watched it again recently and for the the one of the podcasts I'm doing, and it was interesting to watch and parts of it. I mean, Indiana Jones in the shadow of a mushroom cloud. I don't care how you get there is an <laughs> stunning, stunning picture because first of all, he, he's fought Nazis. He's got to yeah. be looking at a mushroom cloud going, this is just beyond me. The world is getting away from me. So where do we find him in dial of destiny? It's gone past him and beyond. We're now in the right. space race. He's a guy who looks at the past and values the past yeah. and is interested in the past. And now here's a whole world that's fascinated with the people that have looked beyond him and beyond themselves to a whole new world. And he's like, do I even fit in anymore? Right. Mangold weaving that thread throughout, as you kind of hinted, uh, combined with all the stuff we already love about the franchise is what made it a huge win for me. I think the, the monologue on the boat that Indy gives oh. to uh, Hel Helena about yeah. Mutt, the joke, right? Shia LaBeouf, yeah. uh, he's the big joke. Well, we're not going to handle him like a joke. We're going to handle him seriously and have Indy have to deal with it. And that monologue is everything. It's perhaps the whole movie and Mangold is having a delicate touch. And John Williams coming yeah. in wistfully and quietly with Marion's theme during that monologue. You hadn't heard it the whole movie. You probably hadn't heard it. You know, maybe you heard it a little bit in Crystal Skull. I can't even remember. But yeah. just beautiful. And, and so his ability to tackle and make it a more layered adult story and still bring all the fun i've always said that about raiders the cia guys come in Indy sets the stakes then we can have some fun but the stakes got to be real they got to yeah. be dangerous and we got to know just what to do you know we can't be introducing things throughout the whole movie so this is kind of the same way um yeah and this adults the stakes are adult and they're very layered and that's I think it's that combination that was a huge win for me. And then, of course, a million details I can get to when we discuss certain parts of the film. But overall, it's that combo of the new and the old that I think Mangold just nailed. Yeah, I have to say, overall, it was an utter blast, an utter, utter blast. And I just really enjoyed seeing it because I was like, why do we need? I mean, I made jokes about it for the last three years on every show I've ever been on. Like, why do we need an 80 year old Indiana Jones? Stop it. This is hubris. This is a studio trying to cash in on this name and make money off Harrison Ford's back. Why is Harrison doing this? He broke his leg on, on freaking uh, Force Awakens through a door coming down. God, no, he, he likes to fly these planes and crash them. Why are we putting this old man through an adventure? How believable is it going to be? And they're going to de-age him? No way. It's going to look terrible. I cannot believe how surprised I was by the time the movie ended. How much I'd enjoyed it. And I looked around at other people going like, am I alone on this? Am I? Because sometimes, you know, I've liked films that other people have thought were terrible or hated films other people like. So you get that moment where you're looking around going like, am I the only one? <laughs> people stayed in the credits all the way through 
like a majority of the theater stayed in the credits all the way through at a screening, a press screening. And I was really surprised by that because most of the time they want to run out and tweet out their reaction for the likes and the, and the, and the views and stuff. Or do it, or, or do it during the movie. And then I, yeah, sometimes, yeah I've seen that happen <laughs> as well. But so it was, it was just so much fun. I loved that they handled the aging thing and they put it front and center instead of hiding it or trying to, you know, trying to cover it up. Yes, they de-aged at the beginning, but that de-aging is really coming a long way. I saw, I read Clayton's uh, article in Variety, and I appreciate Clayton. I think Clayton's a fantastic reviewer, and he certainly worked his way up the ladder, but I couldn't disagree with him more about this, uh, about the uh, CGI de-aging not working. I thought it worked so much better than it's ever worked before. Maybe uh, Michael Douglas in Ant-Man and Michelle Pfeiffer, maybe in the second one, it's a little bit better. But uh, but the the thing that they did here by putting us back in the train in World War II, another indie versus Nazis kind of huge battle sequence, the way they did the sound design on that train. So you felt everything here. And then we get to him being old and he's crotchety and he's he's a man out of time. And I love that a guy who looks and lived in the past. It was fine when he was bravado in the present because he was getting the best of both worlds. Well, what happens when one of those worlds starts to slow down, starts to not feel like you're you're a man, for lack of a better term anymore, that you're just seeing out your days? And certainly when he makes that decision to stay in the past, that's him trying to find some semblance of saying, like, I don't belong there. I belong here. But someone has to knock him, literally knock his lights out to wake him up to understand that there are things to live for in the present, but still love the past and come to terms with those things. And I love that as an overall arc for that character. I enjoyed Helena. I thought she was great. Phoebe Waller-Bridge from top to bottom. I know some of the guys have been upset about how she knocked out uh, Indiana Jones or that she had the back and forth with it. But that's the best part of these things is when you have someone who's your equal. If you watch those old screwball comedies, which is what some of the stuff was based on in Raise the Lost Ark, they have great equal back and forth. And that I love that that element came back here in this movie. The, the sidekick was fine. Little kid was fine, I guess. It, it's not as, it wasn't the same magic as Short Round. But overall, I liked it. And I really enjoyed the um, Mads Mikkelsen character and the violence. And the violence in the movie, I thought, was great as well. I mean, when they kill all those teachers and administrators at Hunter College, it is scary. It is brutal. When he intimidates the black waiter, the, the black, uh, um, yeah, rooms, room, room service. service. Yeah. yeah. When he intimidates that black guy, it is just like chilling. It is Schindler's List kind of chilling. And that was something that I was really surprised to see as an element of Indiana Jones, because they've tackled adult material, but it's always been with that smirk or that, but this was a little darker than we've ever seen, I think, in an Indiana Jones film. And I appreciated that. And they were still able to find the great adventurous moments, the fantastic uh, chase sequences like in Tangier and everything like that. They brought back the best of Indy. So for me overall, I loved it uh, as well. I really, really enjoyed it. Went back and saw it in IMAX earlier this morning. And I just was like sitting there with my hand on my big belly, just ha- hands on my big, just having a great time getting back into the world of indie for sure. Um, I mean, Johnny, I think I said this to you coming out of the screening. I'm like, I just saw the movie that I'm going to see every other week for the rest of the summer. <laughs> like it is, it is summer. It is summer 89 all over again. Like I remember how many times I went and saw Indiana Jones and the last crusade in theaters along with Batman, yeah, along yeah. with 
Ghostbusters 2. Um, and also the thing that cracked me up, and Paul and I have talked about this already, but the thing that yeah. cracked me up how people had issue with Helena being able to knock Indy out in one punch. It's like she was able to knock an old man out who'd been shot. Yeah. I mean, he's 80. He's 80, okay? That that doesn't seem like that 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 far a stretch. (laughs) Exactly. And she was doing it out of a place of love. Like, no, you're not going to do this. There's more for you to live for. And sometimes someone's got to slap some sense into you or knock some sense into you in that certain moment. So I appreciated that as well. Um, Let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump back into talking about the overall performance and how – the uh, work of Indiana Jones uh, or the character of Indiana Jones uh, was in this movie uh, right after we take a quick break here right now. There you go. That's a good one. I like that. Um, (laughs) Shannon, I'll go to you first because I went to Paul first with his overall (laughs) thoughts on the movie. So, oh, actually, yeah. So, Shannon, you tell me, what are your feelings about how Indiana Jones himself specifically was handled in this movie the arc they gave him the the action sequences and what he ends up discovering about himself by the end of the movie i mean i think starting it in world war ii aside from giving us the adventure that we've wanted you know for so many years Mm. um we were kind of seeing peak indie like the the Mm. allies are about to win the war he's found He's found another thing. He saved his friend. The bad guys are defeated. The bad guys that he's fought two times that we've seen, but yes. you know, more than likely several, several others. And then to go immediately to 1968 or 1969, um, and you see the state that he's in, mm-hmm. that he is he is an old, lonely man by himself. Yeah. Um, you in know, his you underwear. Look, yeah. Oh, well, and he's and he's being and he's being kept up by by loud music, by the by the hippies down the hall. The moment that he grabbed that bat, I was like, oh, that is perfect. (laughs) Henry Jones, Jr., as an old man, absolutely grabs a bat when he has to have a conversation with someone. Um, But then you just see the juxtaposition of him teaching versus when he was teaching in Raiders, how. Um, how his students, especially his female students, are so enthralled with him writing I love you on their eyelids. And now, like, they they can barely they can barely stay awake. I mean, it's just it was so heartbreaking. And emotionally, it's not a place that we generally find this character. Overall, these movies, they're not emotional movies. I mean, yes, it's it's him and Marion. There's a romance there. It's them getting back together. Temple of Doom, not really. I mean, I know a lot of people have their issues with that movie, but but yeah. the emotional story of him as a character, is it really there? I mean, you know, he has that relation. He has a he has a friendship. He has a partnership with Short Round. Right. He has a developing relationship with Willie Scott that we all know wasn't going to last long. I mean, the emotional movie in this series is Last Crusade because it's about yeah. reconciliation. It's about right. him coming back together with his father. They tried to do that with number four, with discovering that he has a son, right. and it just didn't quite take. This one... Dealing with uh, dealing with uh, a, a, an irrelevance in the world. I mean, yeah. again, as Paul already said, it's setting it after you know the the guys have walked on the moon the, the, during the space race. I mean, that was that was perfect because yeah. it's like look as again as Paul already said, looking at what has already transpired. Like this new world, this new world isn't for him. I mean, yeah. I think it's not. <laughs> excuse me. 
it's not an accident that he sees a kid next to him on the subway wearing a spaceman's helmet. And he's just like, uh, I don't know how to talk to this kid. <laughs> I mean, so because watching that's going towards the future. So yep. for him, that doesn't connect. He lives in the past. Yeah. yeah. And his, his retirement party, you can tell that the other teachers, they might like, they might think because they're also students of history. They love this guy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it, you know, he, he knows that his time it is passing. I mean, the things that he was able to do as a young man, you know, he can't do anymore. Um, so watching him sort of be okay with being left in the past, like I've loved history all my life. There's nothing for me yeah. back, back in the present. Right. Um, he's going through a divorce. His son is dead. He's his about son is to gone. retire. Nobody respects his work anymore. His dad is gone. Toby Jones is gone. Like all of his friends are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like they handled they handled his character really well. I mean, just just putting putting us in putting us in that empty apartment with him and all of the details that Paul was the one who pointed a lot of them out to me. So I will let him I I will let him take the lion's share of the credit here when we get to Paul's thoughts. (laughs) But yeah, I thought I thought they handled it. I thought they handled it brilliantly, even though like I didn't love the end because it just kind of ends. Uh, it's, It's not like that it's not that big Indiana Jones finale. Um, but uh, in terms of how they handled the character, man, I thought they did it beautifully. Yeah. 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 That end felt like, you know, cheers when they turn off the light, we're closed, you know, Paul, <laughs> talk to me about your thoughts on how they handled the character of Indiana Jones in this movie, Harrison Ford's performance and like where we went with him overall in this script uh, again, by, um, uh, by uh, Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, David Cap, and James Mangle, the director. Uh, I didn't think the de aging was was all that bad. I thought it was pretty good, uh, considering. In the, I wasn't so thrilled with it with the Irishman. I also think they were dealing with actors whose bodies didn't quite match the de aged faces. Like it was yes. a great criticism, and then you can see it in some of the fight sequences. Harrison Ford has this crazy youthful youthfulness about him in his <laughs> late seventies when they shot this. Right, he's probably about seventy seven, seventy eight when they shot it, yeah. and uh, so he can. All, most of this stuff. I mean, I know there were moments when he he wrote. You watch with uncut. He rides that horse up onto the platform, off yeah. of the tracks in the New York subway station, and dismounts. So he's not like my hip or whatever. You know, he's like the guy you want. It's a different eighty than like Joe Biden doing that. And I love Joe Biden, but you can't see Joe right. Biden doing that. He's the scurrier. He's not doing action sequences like. Uh, <laughs> but then. But what's great, I'm just saying, you know, in your hometown, there's 80 year olds way different than Harrison Ford. They hired the right guy. <laughs> yeah. <Here's laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, what he's doing, though, I love when you first see him, right? He's in the Nazi uniform bag over his head. And you're like, what's he up to? And they say, we caught a spy. Nope. As uh, Adam Witt pointed out in my, my co-host of my podcast, he said, no, he's doing Indiana Jones shit. He's there just to do Indiana. He's not even fighting really the Nazis. He just wants that that lance of longinus or and then yeah. he finds out of course it's a fake but he's just doing that indiana, and is there more is there a more baller indiana jones move ever in any movie than when he takes the helmet off puts it on the gas pedal and just leaps onto the motorcycle next to him to take out the two guys who does that you don't do that what that's crazy and then he just gets rid of everybody this brought me back to every rewatch I do of Raiders of the Lost Ark when I realize my, the thing I love most about Indiana Jones is he is a pest. He just annoys mm. the shit out of everybody in who's trying to do their awful Nazi stuff. 
to where Belloc has to go Jones like five times and they, they're throwing their hats and they're throwing watermelons and they don't know what to do. The guy won't stop. We're throwing him <laughs> off a train. We're shooting him. We're hanging him. None of this is working. And you got Thomas Kretschmann yeah. now in there playing uh, Captain or Colonel Weber, I think it is. They don't mention his name, but I think that's what it was. Yeah. Filling in for General Vogel from Last Crusade. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, Colonel Dietrich from all these guys are just constantly annoyed by him. And it was so great to see him in that element again. Yeah. Uh, so I love that handling of his character uh, right out of the gate. Uh, when we get to the present, of course, yeah, I love that now in three watches of the movie, the details, yeah, like you said, are just awesome. Yeah. The dents in the door were clearly he's hit that door with the bat numerous times. So <laughs> yes. turn their music down. <laughs> And just the fact that it's magical mystery tour as well, that is a choice. And uh, yeah, I think they handled which is arguably well. one of the worst, maybe one of the worst. I don't know. You could argue the the quality of that one. For it's sure. a weird, yeah. weird song, but the title yeah. it says at all for what Indy has in store. But right. um, <laughs> yeah, so I love everything we've talked about in terms of him having to deal with his situation. It's essentially a movie about a guy who and Harrison Ford's old. Indiana mm -hmm. Jones is old. You can't fake it. You can't come in and have him go, let's go on another adventure. Yeah. And he's punching out, you know, stuntmen in their thirties. This is not going to happen. You have to deal with the situation. If you're going to tell another story about Indiana Jones and I will take a story about Indiana Jones any day of the week. So I was a big fan of this direction. They went in cause it was truthful and it was another movie about Indiana Jones. Win, win. I'm in. So uh, it's essentially about a person who needs to discover their usefulness in advanced yeah. age. He did his, yeah. I mean, he's got to look forward to something. And when he realizes he might not be able to, he's yeah, leave me in the past. And that's when, of course, uh, they bring him back to the present. And mm. boy, I, I saw this early enough to not see Karen Allen on the red carpet. And to not, they just put yeah. out a Karen Allen poster today. So right. when uh, Helena talks to him about, you know, no, you need to come back here because you need to live. And yeah. the heartbreaking line, quivering. For who? Yeah. And I thought for sure she was getting it's a great line. And I thought she was going to say me because she has this, you know, Temple of Doom sort of going from, yeah. I think, did I already say it? Going from, um, you know, Fortune and Glory to I See Its Power Now. She has her whole sort of arc where she becomes a worthwhile person by the end as well. And so I thought for sure she was going to say for me. Right. And Marion walks in, and I'm like, <laughs> "It's just forget it. This movie, you're killing me. You're doing great." Um, so uh, those two handlings of early indie, just bringing it back to what we love best about Indiana Jones, to just smartly handling his age and deftly handling it as well, I thought was yeah. uh, spectacular on both fronts. I mean, Mangold is getting making. How can I say? Mangold is getting a reputation for being able to understand how to tell these stories of men aging without it seeming like, um, you know, man, man, it was, it's more vulnerability. There's more honesty. There's more fear in these men as they're getting older. Uh, they're confronting like Logan does like in Ford versus Friar, like Christian, uh, Christian Bale does that. Yes. There is like the old Toby Keith song, right? I'm as, uh, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And so you're seeing that. And I think this is purposeful. This is the audience. The audience's age 
is the people in this movie are just a little bit lower, but they they're feeling that they've been through the wars. They've lost people in their lives. They've lost loves in their lives, possibly lost children in their lives. They feel like the world right now is so crazy in our life right now. Everything is moving so fast. AI chat GPT Twitter is snapping in half. We're in tribalistic situations politically. Now everyone feel, or a lot of people feel out of place, feel like the world is changing too fast and they can't hold on quick enough. And so there's elements of that that you connect to. This isn't made for a 15-year-old, I don't think, in any way, shape, or form. Although you could enjoy some of the stuff here, it's very much made for the audience that went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark or that discovered it the next generation after and feels that age coming on. And so I appreciated that, exactly. And the the, the arc you go with him on is just so fantastic. The little beats, the little moments. And you're right, Paul, those little details that you have to catch. You know, I, I always say this to, about movies. The great ones you can watch multiple times and catch and find shit you never found the night the time before because your mind wasn't paying attention to it because you're focused on other things. And those are the great things that work here as you rewatch the movie over and over and over again. And in fact, today I signed up for the Regal Unlimited plan because I'm like, fuck it, man. I'm going to see a lot of these movies multiple times. I might as well pay like 24 bucks a month, go down the street 10 minutes and see a bunch of these uh, films over and over again and indiana jones is the biggest reason why i signed up for it because i know mission possible is coming as well and barbie oppenheimer i'm gonna want to see these multiple times and indiana jones now is i'm very glad i'm gonna be able to see it as many times as again because of the performance here from harrison ford the old man still got it the old man has still got it and i appreciated that um yeah those subscriptions are great uh sorry let me say those subscriptions yeah. are great for the reason you just mentioned also for do i want to see transformers rise of the beasts it's included. That's the ones you want to see multiple times. And should I see this? Why not? I get three a week or whatever. You know, I exactly. got to do the A-list over at AMC. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Paul says, um, uh, I thought aliens was jumping the shark. How about jumping through time? Oh, my own. Oh, my own. Yeah, okay, I can respect that. We'll, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in just a little bit, Paul. And Vincent Zawada said, love the movie so much as a lifelong fan. Left so happy. Cried at the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I did too to finish up my thoughts on this. I mean, I've I'm at that age. I've been through the wars, I've lost people I love, and and I've you know fumbled away opportunities, and sometimes I do feel like I'm just barely hanging on or whatever. And I've also questioned whether I should even exist in the world anymore uh, years ago. So seeing that moment with Indy and Karen Allen while Marion Ravenwood walking through and there, and the fact that we don't see they interact like there's no scene with lines or like we pull away from them to give them the grace to have the conversation together about mutt about about the fact that they want to be back in love together again they want to find their way through it because that endures from the first movie on because they were the first loves like when she was yeah arguably a little too young you can make arguments about that a little elvis priscilla action but the love endures the love is still there the connection is still there uh, and uh, her showing up at the end is an indication and her even saying to him, I, you stop trying is a way of saying to him, like you, I'm ready. You weren't, maybe now you finally are. And the way are it pulls back? away with, with, yeah, right. Well, I'm back with Helena getting everybody out of there. I thought was just, just genius. Absolute genius. Um, let's move on to Helena's character here. Phoebe Waller bridge. 
you know, uh, Paul and Shannon, a lot of people, you know, had issues with this. You've seen the neckbeards getting upset about a strong female character in an Indiana Jones movie, standing on her own, uh, sassing back at him, uh, going toe-to-toe. And I never thought I'd see that. What, an independent woman who could take care of herself? You know, all these things, the shots that were kind of, uh, how can I say this, recalibrating the balance that hasn't 100% been there in the previous Indiana Jones movies between him and his female uh, co-star, we saw that here, Phoebe Waller-Bridge giving as good as she gets, getting on the adventures, being being a younger version of Indy at times. As you said, Paul, a pest. She's a pest. The way she's got these, uh, <laughs> she owes people all over town. She has a guy she was supposed to marry who apparently is still in love with her and freaks out and goes crazy in that Tangier chase scene. But she's also tricking Indy into this fight. And also because she has damage and trauma, family trauma from her father who went insane about this artifact, trying to find the map, trying to find it, trying to put the two pieces together. And then by the end, she's the one that's kind of taking the lead a little bit to get Indy into the right place, even though it is more, as the film goes along, we see that Indiana recaptures more of his old self as the film goes along. What did you think about Helena, Paul? Did you like the the performance from Phoebe Waller-Bridge? And did you like how the character fit into uh, this movie yeah i mean what a great arc i, I already uh, alluded to it mm-hmm. she starts out as uh you know okay so temple of doom technically is before raiders of the lost ark so you mm-hmm. get to see you don't think about how that works into the greater picture until you think okay so fortune and glory kid fortune and glory and by the end as i mentioned i, I understand its power now so by the time yeah. we get to raiders he's done he's kind of already done with the trying to get famous which she blatantly says i want to be famous you know like that yeah, conversation yeah. In the bar with indy but he's done with that so he's out so we get to see her arc and doing the same thing by the end she yeah. sees indy shot she sees the the you know he and he gives up the antikatera the half of the antikatera like when immediately this says you want it i'm gonna kill her he's like i get it he gets it he gets yeah. the value of another person to perhaps where she doesn't and i think when she sees that she that's her final piece in the i should grow up uh mission or or storyline yeah. that she's had to this point arc, yeah. so i love watching that if it, it could have been much more one-dimensional willie scott or uh, but uh, i like the fact and she's got a little bit of everything she's got a little bit of that marion no one wants the screaming girl again so now we give him the the fighter and everyone's like she's too she talks to she talks uh, on her own you know saying thoughts that she has bad i mean stop it this this is great this is a return to form for the yeah. uh for the uh, tough a girl that we've always wanted since Marion. Yeah. So, and then she's got shades of good and evil, kind of like Elsa, you know, so there's a lot yeah. of previous female leads in the Indiana Jones movies woven into her. But again, it's that overall arc that I think makes her appealing. So you got to watch the whole movie. You got to watch the movie. First of yeah. all, guy at internet who's angry, neck beard. That was great. Uh, <laughs> watch the movie and then figure out, then be smart enough to understand her arc and then get back to us on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, your thoughts on how this was handled. And of course, we should mention uh, her sidekick in the movie as well, who's kind of a replacement, Teddy, there for, for a short round. I mean, how did you think um, Helena fit into the movie as a character? Remember, she's the one that tricks him by showing up at his uh, um, uh, lessons there at Hunter College. And then essentially, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, bringing the heat, the government heat on her, Chase, and bringing him in to get involved in all of this so she can get to that map knowing that Indy hasn't gotten rid of it, knowing that Indy has the keys to all of this, and then is the engine pushing this thing forward 
for a majority of the film until Indy takes over and pushes this thing all the way to the end. What did you think about how Helena fit into this movie and the performance of Phoebe Waller-Bridge as this character? Well, I mean, one of the things that I really liked is just the this is the uh, paternal relationship that we wanted that we haven't gotten yet. That's a great point. Um, in the past, I mean, most of the most of the female leads in Indiana Jones movies are romantic leads. Right. I mean, even right. even Elsa, who turns out to be a bad guy. I mean, Indy is very much is very much into her. Right. Um, and, and you know, so Marion comes. <laughs> indeed <laughs> and and you know marion comes back for number four but getting to see getting to see a the paternal side of henry jones senior after he's our, or henry jones jr after he's lost a child like you you mm. get the interaction for her you know she we don't know what much ha- what what really happened after the last time she saw indy when he took the half of the antikythera and was gone because yeah. he even says like do you remember like the last time we saw each other but we do know that whatever it was drove her dad crazy and her dad's not around anymore right. so this is someone who has had to uh, potentially survive on her own she's she's done what she has has to what she has had to do so the fact that she's able to still keep a uh, a levity to that um that she you know ha- you know having her Teddy, her her version of short round, even the way that she talks about the way that they met, that he reached for her purse right. as she was getting into a car. He didn't let go, neither did she. And suddenly here we are. I mean, it's the same thing where short round was trying to pickpocket Indy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of the same dynamic. And, and I think we can debate the success of Teddy, um, whether or not Teddy was necessary. I mean, outside of act three. Um yeah. But I just really enjoyed Phoebe Waller-Bridge's presence. Um, like, if you haven't seen Fleabag, she is she's oh, just yeah. dynamite in it. She's a performer that um, that I'm really surprised has not shown up more mm. in the wake of her initial success. And something that somebody pointed out, uh, it may have been on one of our text threads, John, but if Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Harrison Ford had a conversation where she says to Harrison Ford, you know, I'm the Millennium Falcon, right? <laughs> right. To, to, to Han Solo. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and I should ask this also, uh, Shannon, did you like the element of the similarities? You mentioned the short round in Teddy, but also she's the daughter of a man who's obsessed with an artifact, the way he was the son of a man obsessed with the Holy Grail, right? Did you, did you, I mean, did you like that they, made that did you think that was kind of a cheapening of the situation or do you think that no. was a actually a, a thing that worked in comparing their journeys no because i don't think that's a quality that's relegated just to just to henry senior i mean right. that i mean in, indy has had that too i mean you look at you look at the motivation for his past adventures i mean to get the lot the lost ark it was to it was to acquire an item of historical significance as right. paul already pointed out um, in Temple of Doom at the beginning, Nuhachi, it was to get a diamond. <laughs> like yeah, he was, man. he was out to get paid. Last Crusade, it's to save his dad. Yeah, Crystal Skull, eh, not really sure. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I actually thought the the um, idea that she was also a child of of this type of guy who who grew up per, per, perhaps. Um, feeling less yeah. than the thing that they were actually after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he drank the blood of Kali, for God's sakes, as he tells us <laughs> in the film. That is a great line, though, when she says, yeah, if you would, uh, if you 
Jeez, you're going to chase after the thing that drove your father crazy, wouldn't you? If, yeah. Well, didn't you, as you say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, but then, of course, is that just to get him to get the piece for her so she can right. run off? So it's all very, uh, again, multi-layered, which you don't, didn't always get in some of the Indiana yeah, movies. Yeah. I think, Paul, what you point out is really uh, interesting that I hadn't thought about, that she had elements of Elsa, right? I mean, you're looking at her and the way she's involved in all this, the way she's always trying to go on her own, the way she's tricking Indiana at times so that she can step out and do her thing. The situation in Tangier, when she's there holding that auction for the, uh, for the, uh, the artifact there as well, and she's legitimately trying to sell it. Like, there is a, whereas, you know, Indy would never sell the grail she is legitimately trying to sell it and get herself set up financially because she's a modern woman. To her, these old relics don't mean quite as much because they're connected to her father who went crazy. And for her, it's about making the money so that she can establish herself and build her own life and do her own thing. And she's going to do it. And she's a woman at that time where there's so much sexism. Uh, so her trying to find her own path in her own way, however possible, you know, rogues and rogues are not just limited to dudes like she's a female rogue she's gonna do whatever she needs to do she even had shades of han solo in my opinion doing what she needs to do in debt to other people so that she can get to where she wants to get to and i liked that that made her a formidable person to either be an antagonist or protagonist uh depending on the scene in the movie which I, I thought really worked well as well. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the other gentleman or the other gentleman in this movie here. Uh, Shannon, I go, I go to you on this one. Uh, this gentleman here, Mads Mickelson, coming in. I think you and I have had this conversation off camera where you felt he's possibly Dr. Voller is the best villain or in contention for being the greatest villain in an Indiana Jones series. What are your thoughts on uh, Dr. Voller here? I mean, I think Voller is is definitely number two. I, I don't know if he eclipses Belloc, um, but he's definitely number two. And the way that he is established right at the beginning, um, the fact that he knows uh, what the Antikythera could actually do, like right. it, it's it's potential. And that moment that you already spoke about, John, when he um, on uh, uh, when the room service uh delivery the valet um shows up and his you know are, are you enjoying your victory you know you didn't you didn't lose the war you didn't win the war hitler lost it yeah. i mean you see like just the arrogance of this guy i mean even boyd holbrook saying you know he don't eat anything on it on 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 wheels you got to put that on the table i mean i thought you just get such a full picture yeah. of who this guy is and how like he's you know kind of a stand-in for von braun you know back in back during the space race oh yeah and, and how he got the i mean there's a great line from from mason when he is still like no we have to go after this thing and mason's like you got him on the moon they don't need you anymore <laughs> um but how yeah i mean he he would have been a part of uh i don't know if it's called operation paperclip but it's basically where Nazi scientists were recruited by the American government because they were good at their jobs and we yeah. wanted we wanted what was in their heads. Um, but you yeah, were saw, about to you see that in Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you saw how you, 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 you can picture the argument where he was just saying, I'm going to do this for you. I want to be able to go do this then. 
Think yeah. of what this can do. Think of what this can do for your great country, for the United States of America, knowing that if this thing can do what Archimedes designed it to do, yeah. um, the United States of America, as he knows it right then, will cease to exist. I mean, the world will will be permanently changed. So Mads Mikkelsen is one of those actors who just brings so much with being able to do so little. And there is there is a power in his stillness. Um, I I would definitely say he is the most frightening Indiana Jones villain, if not quite the best. If for no other reason that he can survive getting hit at full speed by one of those train (laughs) train things hanging over the side there. I don't know how he survived, but uh, certainly he survived to live another day. Um, Paul, Jurgen Voller, I mean, taking a look at this, I mean, he's almost like an anti-Indiana Jones. He's almost the counter to Indiana in the look and appearance, um, his desire for the artifact, his desire to use the artifact for himself, which, as you guys said, initially, Indy wasn't quite into the getting the artifacts and, uh, you know, showcasing them off. He becomes that as the series goes along. If you go in order of the movies, prequel being uh, Temple of Doom. In this, you see very clearly that this is a man who's also, uh, Jürgen Voller is also obsessed with this artifact because of what it can do, uh, but he wants to use it for his own purposes, his own nefarious means. But he's no less respectful of the power of these artifacts than Indiana Jones. What did you think about how he worked in, how he was worked into this uh, film and him as a villain and the performance of Mads Mikkelsen? There's too much to say every time you come to me. All right, where do I begin? Um, okay, because I want to go back to just watching the movie. And uh, forgive me if I said that. Did I talk about John Williams yet? And I know you probably yeah, have you, it on your You mentioned but, it once already, but you can certainly mention okay. it. Okay, so what does he filter into one of the first sequences where you see Schmidt, Voller, and the other Nazis? The Belly of the Beast sequence from um, oh. Last Crusade. And you probably remember it. Boom. I can't remember exactly, but it goes dun 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 It's like this sort of off staccato, off-putting, not quite in a standard structure type of Williams yeah. thing with low notes, and it's beautiful. And so he's just sets that up for you, like, just so you know, these are the Nazis, Nazis. You hate these guys. Okay. And then we're off to the races. Yeah. And so but what they do brilliantly with Voller is right in that opening sequence, they establish him as there's more, I think, than just, I oh, got to get the dial and turn back time when he's older, but right. because he's kind of a Nerdenheimer when he's uh, back in the, on the train, no one's Good really point. listening to him. He's trying to convince, uh, you know, Colonel Weber, look, this is an important thing. No, I get it. It's always somebody pushing him aside, getting, you know, telling him to shut up. And so I think, and then when he gets hit, and by what do you call it a train thing he then uh (laughs) he's then i think on a mission to prove himself worthy so when he comes back he's all evil all the time you know he's Mm -hmm. like i'm going when i set this straight every there'll be no more laughing at me there'll be more knocking me off a train there's no more subjugating me and my brilliance i've already proven it here with building a rocket ship that went to the goddamn moon but now (laughs) i will also make uh germany the Reich it should be because Hitler failed. Right. So I think that personal vendetta is also there with the brilliance and with, you know, just the idea of having the Reich back again, which I think he would like, you know, I think making it personal like that was really fun for him. And of course, Mads is a fantastic actor in, in yeah. everything. And yeah, the underplaying is one of the primo aspects of Harrison Ford. I've loved for years. Yeah, look mm-hmm. at the fugitive. I mean, it's so underplayed. Um, but in this too, uh, Mads excels. 
in most of his he's never like a ah, rah, rah, like he's he's just always finding the right note he does that here yeah i agree 100 percent with both of you guys and in, in, in your points and opinions on mads i thought it was great in the film i mean if you're gonna bring somebody back if, if you're gonna bring a new character in that's gonna be a nazi yet again you've got to find a new way to tell this story of the nazis and what a genius idea when we are now in our real worlds grappling with this return of nazism in our own fucking societies across the globe but by the way this idea and they think they're going to do it better they think they've learned the lessons of hitler and they're going to they want to put something together that will legitimately be even stronger than it was before and enforce what they want to enforce and they're deluded with this stuff having in, a, in essence vola represent that in the movie, I thought was a subtly genius move by the scriptwriters uh, and Mangold as the director because he is chilling. He legitimately believes the things that he is saying, which is really what scares us about those insane ideologies. Is when someone is a true believer, it is scary. It almost feels like the person can't be defeated, and you see this as it goes along. And something simple like uh, mathematics in understanding leap years and stuff is what throws him off. And I thought that was so smart and his frustration and his, so for all the um, danger he posed and the chilling moments he had, when he is undone, he becomes the thing that you said, Paul, that uh, Mads usually isn't. He becomes the raging, angry lunatic who is uh, free fr flipping out. And of course, uh, what's his face is matching him toe for toe. Uh, uh, um, Boyd Holbrook is matching him beat for beat by just shooting people out of the plane there. <laughs> as he's freaking out uh, with what's happening. So you see that as it progresses. And I appreciate that very much as an antagonist uh, for Indiana Jones. And he seems to always be one step behind or one step ahead of Jones. So that threat is never gone through this whole thing. And I found that to be uh, a great experience here with him as a character. So, um, well, let's take a quick break. And then as we're at the hour mark and we'll jump back into some other elements of the movie and break it down here and if you're watching right now and you haven't subscribed to the channel please if you're enjoying the review we'd appreciate you subscribing down below and hitting that bell button and if you want to send in any uh, uh stream labs we haven't got any stream labs we've got a couple of super chats uh the address is right above shannon's head it's also in the description of the video send in your support if you're enjoying what are your thoughts about the movie what do you want to hear us talk about and uh, uh, go on about let us know by sending in a stream lab and a super chat and we'll be right back right after this all right, well, let's talk about some of these side characters that were a part of the movie here. I mentioned Boyd Holbrook being a part of this here as Claiborne. Then you had uh, um, you had Teddy, which we talked about already we had his crew of people the cia people that were involved in this as well who were chasing down helena um and we also got a little bit of sala back as well for some scenes so oh, and antonio banderas i don't want to uh, leave out antonio banderas as a part of this as well so um shannon i go to you what did you think about oh no actually paul i'll go to you first then with shannon last time uh paul what did you think about these characters these other side characters did you like the way they worked? Were they a little too much? I mean, I felt like Boyd was maybe a little too much. Teddy, not quite the same magic, a short round, but certainly funny. Uh, and uh, seeing Salah as in only two or three scenes 
Uh, and Banderas, people have been complaining about Banderas's character only being in it for a few minutes. What did you think about the side characters or the ensemble characters, I should say, who were a part of the movie as well? Yeah, I think Banderas's character was interesting because you didn't, yeah, you didn't need him cast in that role. Um, mm. It kind of looks underdeveloped when you put a name like that in the part. Whereas otherwise, if it were this, like an actor who played Katanga in the first movie, who you don't, know, oh yeah, played him, you would you wouldn't know any difference. But because it's him, you're like, oh well, he didn't do much. I kind of I like him, and now he's gone. But I have to admit, I was online and I saw a tweet you were part of responding to somebody about this same oh, yeah. sort of complaint. And you're right to say that if someone says being an Indiana Jones movie, you be in an Indiana Jones movie. You don't give a damn if your parts two lines. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, Bandera's probably like, hell, I'll go have some fun. This will be great. And then he goes scuba diving with him or deep sea diving or whatever, which is a first for Indiana Jones. So I love seeing something new, by the way, in that whole part of the story. So having yeah. him be a part of something new in the Indiana Jones world, man, I would have signed up in a heartbeat. So of course he's in the movie. Um, so I appreciated that. Boyd Holbrook also is a really good actor, and it's a shame yeah. that he was kind of just the muscle. I was really fun watching him, though, but I would have liked to have seen more out of his character as well. But the two guys being the muscle and the gun uh, yeah, for Voler, that was fine. Yeah. They were cool. I mean, they just were ruthless. I mean, from the top, you know, no witnesses. Yeah. Um, they were brutal. So he, he, he's always a good actor. You, you put him in anything. Sala, it took me until the third screening for finally i'm sitting there watching his monologue the one that was teased in the first teaser that we saw for this oh, right i miss yeah. the desert i miss the sand you know he tells this whole story and it wasn't till then i went god oh god that's heartbreaking <laughs> the first time i went yeah i bet he does and that but this one last time i went boy i'm seeing it on him this time john reese davies really played that yeah. well where he was like it's just sad you I mean all the adventures they used to have and now he's driving a cab in the city you know that that it's it was poignant and so i thought he delivered it well but then of course to see him in the end you know with the kids and with everybody and marion's bag it's the gang's all together again and that's how we want it so i was happy that even he got a happy ending just by his presence amongst all the old gang so that was cool what about Teddy? Did you like Teddy or did you think it was? I did. Well, I was worried because okay. Teddy got in trouble. And if it's anything I can't stand, it's when adults are doing shit in a movie and the kid goes and gets caught or something and they interrupt what the adults are doing. Like the big adults are trying to do something, kid. What do you do? And then he goes off. So he gets caught, right? He, right. he buys some uh, uh, gelato and then gets captured. So he owed me one. But thankfully, he made good on that later by getting knocked off the bridge, stealing the key and locking our big muscle guy to the to the vent and yeah. and not leaving leaving after that but coming back into the top of that statue jumping off of it onto uh holbrook's character and then starting the whole yeah. melee at the tomb with the gun fight and everything so yeah. he, he owed me that for getting himself caught just buying gelato walking around doing nothing you know stay with the gang you know why do you cause trouble <laughs> So that annoys me. You know the Scorpion King, right? The little kid's the worst part of that movie. And I'll go back to Newt, right? So, I don't know. The CGI was pretty bad in that movie too, but yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Um, but yeah, so that's what I thought. Other than that, I thought he was cool. He wasn't, you know, a loudmouth like Short Round, which some, you know, everybody loves Short Round now, but I think they, they turned people off when he was, oh, yeah. Right. So he doesn't, he doesn't yammer as much. Sir. As- <laughs> Sir. I thought he was thought he was a cooler presence. <laughs> played second, really, really played second to Helena, and yeah. uh, I, I appreciated that. Yeah, 
Shannon, your I thoughts? I love on short that? round. What he's not a loud mouth. Gee, he is. <laughs> he's a loud mouth. Um, Shannon, what are your thoughts on this? And I, and I forgot to mention. I'm sorry, Seanette Renee Wilson, who plays the badass CIA lady who gets, of course, killed by uh, Boyd Holbrook's character, gets shot by Kleber. Um, uh, she had a very strong energy in the movie as well. So, d- what did you think about the performances from the ensemble characters, for lack of a better term, who were a part of the movie as well, and their defined roles in pushing the plot along? as either antagonists or protagonists, depending on their scenes, um, including Salah uh, and even Marion, if you want to have a conversation about uh, Karen Allen, who shows up, although we kind of feel like we've talked about it. But what, what do you think about all these other characters, Teddy, what happened? I mean, Shana Renee Wilson as Agent Mason, I think she did. Ha- she had some great moments. And, yeah. and I think the only thing that was lacking there is just material. Um, and, and you have a movie that's two and a half hours. You're, you're probably not going to give a ton to number 12 on the call sheet. Um, but I think, I think her point of view probably would have been a little bit stronger if we knew more about her, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. more about, um, Voller's deal with, with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, because also at the beginning when they show up at Hunter, like, so there's that one guy with the crutches who gets out like, ah, you know, get, get away from me. And like, he yeah. kind of vanishes. We never see that guy again. So, but we get that he's we get that he's a, he's a government guy. Right. Um, so I think that was, I think she did a good job with what little she had yeah. to, uh, with what little she had to do. Um, Olivier Richter, the, the, uh, the giant, um, yeah. you oh know, I, in terms of villain henchmen, I thought he and Boyd Holbrook were great. And I think you, you, you know, he is performing with his size. I mean, that's right. what someone of that stature is able to do. Boyd Holbrook was able to turn potentially. Is, look at this shit. This is not human. What is this? This is unsettling. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> not a coincidence that he's he's larger than the tree. Yeah, uh, it looks <laughs> like they stacked. AI, yeah, I was gonna say it looked like they stacked his small head on top of this massive. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, Boyd Holbrook was able to turn a potentially forgettable henchman role into something because he is a, he's a very talented actor. And I think giving, leaning into his, his, uh, Texanness, his southernness. I don't know if he's actually from Texas or from the South, but he's very clearly <laughs> having from South Carolina. I recognize one of my own. <laughs> like that guy, that that guy's not Canadian. <laughs> um, but I thought he did. I thought he did a great job. I mean, and he he just was able to bring a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that part of that probably is uh, his relationship, his his prior work history with uh, Mangold. Um, oh yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Teddy. Teddy was fine. Um, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, is there a way to do this without Teddy? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, because you have to have, you have to have a way for them to get away in once they're in ancient Greece. Right. And because this plane crashes, that's where Archimedes finds the watch and everything. And that's where the, 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 uh, the inscriptions on the uh, sarcophagus come from. Like that plane has to be there. Um, so how do they get out? Okay, well, we've got this kid um, and this rando Italian pilot who shows up for, <laughs> for, for me, at least, for zero reason. The guy that sleeps in his cockpit and then he wakes up. All- <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was one of those issues that I'm like, okay, that's demerit, but you know, we're having yeah, we'll a good time here. We'll get to the here. issues, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Antonio, Antonio Banderas, I loved. Yeah. Uh, I loved him. Uh, even though like, yes, he was not in it a ton. Um, he was able to bring just sort of a depth and a feeling 
and a feeling of history with with Indy. Um, I do think it was a mistake to shoot or to kill him. Like, mm. because Helena's moments of saying this is basically as she sort of concocts the escape plan and they're celebrating on the boat as they're getting away and Indy having to say, like, you know, my friend was just murdered. Um, I, I think you have you have a diver with one bum leg. There's nothing funnier than him getting shot in the other one. Like, that's good Indiana Jones comedy. And as they get to uh, yeah. Sicily, as they're sort of unloading from the boat, you know, we know he's not going. He's not right, going right. on the adventure. He his he has no legs. Um, but him basically saying like, ah, maybe next time I get shot in the arm. You know, something <laughs> something like that. Like I I do. That was one of the things that really kind of irked me. I was like, ah, don't kill him. Um, but I loved him in it. Um, the only note would have been that could have been short round. Yeah. That would have been my only my only note is we're bringing back Sala. We're bringing back Marion. Let's bring back. Let's bring back Shorty, and and I think that is a role that he he potentially could have he potentially could have played. Um, yeah, and getting to Sala, I mean Sala just you know the moment that he you know we knew he was in the movie, but the moment he punches that guy out who's who's calling out, yeah, he's got uh, murder, murder. <laughs> um, the just such a wonderful moment seeing that character back on screen, and honestly gave that that speech that that there's a moment that leads up to the speech that honestly brought tears to my eyes when he said is there anything else like yes i brought my passport like this older guy like there's nothing like indy's barely gonna be able to hang on like sala clearly can't do it but that again that history of friendship of brotherhood the things that these two guys, which we only saw two, we know there were more, right. the, the history that these two have, knowing that, you know, if you want me, I'm here for you. I also brought my passport. Yes, Haunted Autumn. Um, that moment just ripped my heart out in the best way. I was like, God, that that's the type of thing that, you know, if, if I have to go on an adventure in 30 years, that Johnny dropping me off at the airport. True. Being like, you're like, hey. I brought my passport. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. Just yeah. in case. I mean, if you need it. <laughs> you you got to buy me a Wetzel's, but I'm there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked that they uh, um, filled the uh, uh, film in with these uh, interesting characters and uh, the performances. I do agree that a few, I do agree that the CIA people were a bit underwritten and that their purposes and their, what they were after here was a bit kind of muddled. Uh, so that when there's turns, although it was shocking to have, um, oh, uh, sorry, what's the character's name again? Uh, Mason. Mason the, that's who Seanette Renee Wilson plays. It's shocking to have her die in the way that she does. There wasn't the weight of it that we would have been like connected to, like if they were friends and then she, he shot her. They were adversaries from the beginning and that the dude in the crutches, whoever he was, like that should have been a separate side or subplot that should have been developed as they're heading towards this situation so that we would have attached these characters a little bit more, but that's not shirking the performances. I thought everybody did a really nice job with it. I thought the kid who played Teddy was good for what he's, and you know, I saw a TikTok video the other day of a, of a guy. And I guess this is the thing, a guy, whenever his wife kisses him, the dog barks at her. So there's a jealousy <laughs> in, in that. And Teddy was jealous of Indiana for his relationship with Helena. And that is what he is. He's essentially the dog barking at Indy 
which is why he wanders off in a moment of rebellion to get that ice cream or gelato because he's like, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want to do because you've chosen a new man. And, you know, he's a young kid. He's got no sense of his emotions or perspective. So it made sense with what they were doing. But him fighting everybody off, him being the key that gets them out of the cave, those are the things that the, that work well with a character like that. And I thought, story-wise, they did a nice job with that. Salah, I mean, come on now. I mean, I, I was sitting next to Shannon. And he was like, oh, oh I like that's, that was his reaction when Salah says the passport thing so and he was right those little moments are great so that when he shows up at the end and when he's and when he's singing the song or wa- walking out with the kids singing the song I thought of the moment in Raiders when uh Marion kisses him and he's like and all the guys are around him he that element of joy of life that's within Salah and even though he misses the adventure he also understands like I'm willing even if I can't actually do it I'm willing and that matters a lot, but I'm happy with the children here. I'm happy with the kids. Something Indiana isn't, right? And that's where the difference is. We don't have to go on an arc with Sala. It's Indy who has to go on the arc because Sala may miss the adventures, and don't we all, but he still but he still loves the life he lives for the most part. So I like that they had those elements of these characters to give you multiple perspectives on what's going on uh, in this entire film, for sure. Um, Shannon, I want to swing back to you. Talk to me about the action sequences here. We get that opening train sequence. We have this, uh, the uh, chase sequence in New York with a horse going into a subway. Uh, we have the action sequence with the tut-tuts in Tangier. Uh, and then, of course, at the end, the, through the cave and everything to get to the... And the two planes going at each other, going through uh, the portal, the fissure in time, in essence. So what was your feeling about, as the action guy, what are your thoughts about the action sequences in the movie? I mean, this was all, to me, Indiana Jones perfection. Um, the whole train sequence was just, mm. just again, it's, as Paul said, like, you know, we wish we could have had eight or nine of these, you know, World War II Indiana Jones adventures. I mean, him walking into the, uh, the crowded train car and they realize there is a bullet hole in in the front in the back of of the german coat like that is just such a great indiana jones detail and then toby jones being able to give him the bag he opens it up there's the why would you bring a fedora on this no reason like the whip yeah sure i mean you're good with it that hat doesn't give you anything but just awesome that it was there um you know as you guys were just to circle back for a second to talk about voler how voler was kind of a a nerd Mm -hmm. um and you know he gets beat up by kind of one of the captains of the football team i mean indy puts the hat up bang just pops him in the chops i love i love an action sequence on a train um vogel and i actually worked on a project where where one was in it for a long time. (laughs) Um, It's, I don't know if the project's going to happen, but it's still very much there. But just anytime people are jumping from train car to train car, that's just so much fun. Uh, Paul already mentioned when Indy was uh, the accidental German chauffeur and jumping out of a car onto a, uh, onto a bike with a, with a sidecar. Again, it was all just awesome. It was really curious to see like, okay, how is this, how is this stuff going to work with an 80 year old man? Um, and granted, you, you know, we have CGI, we have stunt doubles like that. All that all works. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the uh, New York chase. There is one moment that to me was an editorial mistake 
when Indy gets that cop off of his horse. I know this is, I've already said this to Paul and he's like, yeah, it's not that big I a deal for this, this time, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it was on our text it, chain as well, Paul. And we, and we reacted, I think the same way you did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, this is the type of thing that I, that I would have written in the script. That's and, why and, you're the action guy, dude. You catch these things. Yeah. But also this is the, it may have been filmed and whatever. It was like, look again, two and a half hours. We, we don't care. But <laughs> Indy gets the cop off of his horse saying, you know, you need to go over there. You need to go over there the guy's like hey calm down then we see boyd holbrook take out the motorcycle cop and then indy's on the horse and he takes off the the horse cop disappeared like he vanished like i wanted to see something happen to him whether he just says hey stop or boyd holbrook knocks him out of the way like to me that that was a that was a missing piece granted it and i know all I imagine everyone watching this is just kind of like, dude, come on, relax. <laughs> but that is that is just the way my brain works when you're thinking about geography and mapping out action sequences. Yeah, yeah. Um, he goes down in the subway, freaking awesome. That was that was just great. Um, the chase again. I feel like if if we'd had a, a much younger Indiana Jones, we would have gotten more of him. But that moment where he leaps from his tuk tuk to the other tuk tuk. And the next shot is him kind of holding on like way back when we would have seen Harrison Ford and we would have seen, I believe his name is Vic Armstrong, the stunt double. Like mm. you would have seen a much more focused chase on this physically happening. But yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the chase was great, even though the the geography doesn't totally match up. I was having so much fun that I was kind of like, eh, whatever, it's fine. Um, the moments at the end, I mean. That shot of the cha- of the planes going through the time fissure, I was like, this is awesome. And as an audience, as Indy is saying, you know, he didn't account for continental drift. Like, I don't know where we're going, but it's nine. It's not 1939. Um, and then you see just this, you know, beautiful shot of of the islands. And as we slowly tilt down and you see those ships with sails and it's like, oh, my God. They're in they're in the battle that he talked about in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think, again, if we'd had more time, you could have blown that battle out a little bit more. You would have seen those. We, we see them in the background, but we would have had more moments with those inventions of Archimedes, like with the cranes using the mirrors as like kind of like a focused focused laser beam to take out Roman to take out Roman ships. Um, but it was just so, so exciting. And watching uh indy and helena skydive out of a plane that is about that you know that is taken on that is taken on water um that was just a great great shot so i mean would would we have liked to have seen him use the whip a little bit more of course um but top to bottom i thought the action was great he does use it in that tangier scene which is mirroring of course what happens in raiders uh, and I like the way that all played out the way it did. Um, what are your thoughts, Paul, on the action sequences that we got in this movie? Do they work for you? Any nitpicks yourself, or um, <laughs> uh, or did it bring did it evoke some of the best that we've seen before in Indiana Jones? I went because I was super invested in the New York City Police Force, and when I saw one of their characters just disappear, no, okay, all right, um, I was all in on the action in this movie. All right, let me tell you something early that happened. Of course, John Williams, I hear him, like I mentioned, and I'm at ease. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm in a good place. This I know this familiar area. Uh, when the, the U.S. bomb is amazing, uh, and then he steals a car. Indy steals a car. And how does he do it? Yeah. He goes up, knocks on the thing. The guy rolls the window down, <laughs> takes the car, <laughs> throws the guy out, takes the car off. He goes. <laughs> 
And I was like, yes, James Mangold gets it. I want Indy to be no nonsense. You know, like one of the Spielberg's things that I'm not always in line with is is the broad humor. Like, for example, Mm. Indy didn't have to pretend to be Scottish to get the car. Okay, you didn't like going to view the tapestries. If you remember that view the tapestries scene, which is super bizarre. He yeah. does this whole Scottish character and ends up just punching the guy anyway when he kind of even loses faith in the bit that he's doing. You know, like, if you're Scottish, I'm Mickey Mouse. He's like, oh, you know. So I thought that there was no need for that scene. He's yeah. never, ever before done a character to accomplish anything. How does Indy accomplish stuff? <laughs> you know, that's what he does. Yeah. And so when he did that, I went, oh, we're going to get some no-nonsense Indy doing some Indiana Jones shit. And so... <laughs> He did, you know, and he just took care of business and he got the car and he got the motorcycle and he knocked the guy off with, with the, uh, you know, hitting the tree and taking care of the sidecar. He gets in the plane and the guns are fired. It's, I mean, I was all in from that moment and I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, the ending, good God, the ending is fantastic, you know, and, and it's funny. I've been saying something that I saw was a Horowitz had a tweet today. It's like, oh, you, you, and you mentioned it earlier. If you're not cool with the big, god that kills nazis or the voodoo dolls and the uh 800 year old knight yeah this is not a big swing this is the franchise this is what it does and so when we go back to i remember first screening i'm watching and indy's kind of looking out the window and the clouds clear and the first time you can see these are roman boats from yeah 200 bc i'm like they're fucked you know, like I, I mean, in a huge, I'm like, what? Oh my god! Like I was throw anyone who would go, nah. I mean, you're clearly at that that movie for the wrong reasons. Uh, so I, yeah, I was all in. And then what immediately happens? Chaos. Valder is scratching his head and going, no, we're apart. And yelling at the with the guns and the dragons and a giant, a giant, like double bomber thing flying over ancient. Roman ships? I mean, where, that's amazing. That's yeah. imagination just going berserk and putting it on screen. I loved it. Uh, and then, of course, you meet Archimedes. <laughs> it's like <laughs> everything about that was awesome. I thought the chaos in that scene specifically was just yeah. right. It was just mayhem. And and they had it coming because they screwed with, with time. <laughs> yeah, I loved the action sequences from the beginning all the way. You know, sometimes... You get these films that are like, we got to do an action sequence to start the film, blah, blah, blah. It worked. This this opening sequence, and I agree with you guys, the de-aging didn't bother me at all. We're getting better and better every movie. I hate to break it to you all. We as moviegoers, we are test subjects for this technology, and they're going to keep using it till they perfect it, and they oh. will perfect it. We've seen this before. Good CGI versus bad CGI. We've seen great stuff. And they'll do it till they perfect it. So it's not going away anytime soon. And the action sequence, though, here, as I said earlier, the sound design, you heard everything. You felt everything, every hit, every not, every um, uh, thing that was smashed into, everything that was lost. Even the funny moment before the action sequence even starts, he's like, you know, Hitler's not going to, have you ever met Hitler? And he was like saying to him, like, oh, we can, he's not going to mind that this isn't, have you met Hitler? You know, this thing. So you add that comedy to the action. It was a good mix. And 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 um, it was uh, brutal, and you know the fight on on top of the train was pretty awesome as well. Toby kind of stumbling around trying to figure out, you know, running through the woods trying to escape the Nazis, getting getting captured, and then being part of this whole thing. 
And then um, the stuff in New York, I thought was really great. Shannon already kind of covered and mentioned the pacing of it and having the New York cab driver be behind the guys and not wanting to pull out and yelling at the dudes, like having that be an element that felt realistic. Uh, Indy going by John Glenn and the other astronauts or whoever that are sitting on the back. It is genius, right? That's that's your Hitler moment. Not that John Glenn is Hitler, but a historical, the Forrest Gump moment where he is involved in something that was uh, that happened in our historical past for real, that he is a part of that in some strange way. And the way it all ends up, I thought worked really well as well. The fight sequence in the library, I thought was cool and worked uh, with him getting mm-hmm. out of there. And then when we get to um, the stuff on there in Tangier, that was a fun situation. And again, the comedic element that makes the best of these action sequences work so well, it is Helena's jilted lover who had gone against his family to be with her. And he is just desperate to be with her. So he is going crazy uh, if we all remember, it's a mad, 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 mad world. He's essentially Dick Sean screaming for his mom, trying to get there in time to save her. That's what he's doing, trying to get to the woman he loves. Oh, and it causes all kinds of madness that leads to where we get to. Uh, and then, yeah, at the end with the planes and everything and Teddy figuring out how to fly a plane on the fly, which would have been ridiculous if you had not built the movie to that moment. And had you be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to forgive it because I'm having a great time. And it worked. And so when you have them going into um, uh, ancient, uh, was it ancient Rome or ancient Greece or what was Greece. going on there? Yeah. And see, ancient and even, Rome, yeah, 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 right. And even seeing Paul, as you mentioned earlier, everything's going crazy. Having that massive wooden steel arrow go through the, the hull of the fucking plane, which makes it even more kind of insane that you're dealing with that. Uh, added a great element to it as well. So I, I just really enjoyed the action sequences and you were able to understand what was happening. You bought the pacing of them all and you got to laugh at certain moments with well-placed humor as opposed to forced humor, which is some of the stuff, in my opinion, we saw in Crystal Skull that kind of ruined some of those action sequences for me. Um, Can, uh, can I yeah, say two things ahead. about what you yeah, said? Please. First of yeah. all, I think a lot of the CGI works, if I didn't say this before, because of their nighttime sequences that benefited i think trying to oh, mask the, yeah, good points. Uh, that darker effect, stuff you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other thing was you talk about the humor in the movie then and if i could go back to the tapestry sequence and the, the tapestry sequence is a joke uh yeah dial of destiny is funny yes i think right. there's a difference and so to talk about the things that are humorous in this movie they're not necessarily jokes they're just funny uh and yeah. without i think you know uh What's the word I'm looking for? Ruining the stakes. Ruining is yeah, not the word I yeah, want. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't, doesn't deflate the stakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Undercut. Thank you. That's the word. Yeah. Well, well, let's take another break, and then we'll uh, get into the last couple of sections of our review here. If you want to send in your Streamlabs and Super Chats, uh, now's the time to do it, ladies and gentlemen. The Streamlabs address right above Shannon's head. It's pinned in the chat. It's in the description of the video. We'll read them, uh, the ones that have been sent in since the last time we read them, right after we come back here. I like your voice, kid. I like your voice. <laughs> <laughs> you sing nice. You sing nice. Do you know any show tunes? Anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> two Streamlabs have come through. Haunted underscore Autumn says, Loved Indy 5. I haven't been this invigorated by a film in ages. The Adventures of Raiders and the Emotional Depth of Last Crusade, a perfect farewell. I mean, 
You know, really, really agree. I mean, I think we've had some good movies this summer. Um, you know, Across the Spider-Verse is fantastic. I really like Guardians 3. Uh, but this is this is the one for me. I mean, depending on how Mission Impossible and Barbie and Oppenheimer turn out. But my guess is that this will be my this will be my movie of the summer, too. Excellent. Yeah. Paul, uh, agree yeah, with if, the... if Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, if Tom Cruise delivers and I expect him to, it will be no surprise that the two best movies of the summer were delivered by legitimate movie stars. <laughs> so I go. can't wait to see uh, MI7 or whatever all, it is. All I can tell you yeah. that it does deliver. I had a great time with that film and wanted to walk right back in and watch two hours and 45 minutes again. There you go. Uh, Regal uh, Unlimited or whatever you're Oh, getting. yeah. Please. There you go. <laughs> MI7 is going to be a massive rewatch for me this summer. Vincent Zawada said, they look like snakes. No, they don't. LOL. Right. The Moray Eels. Yeah, what a what a nice homage, right? What did you guys think of that? Well, I mean, this was one of the <laughs> this is one of those joke notes <laughs> that oh, I have. Oh, really? yes. <laughs> I wish I wish that Antonio Banderas couldn't think of the words uh eel right away. That he's trying to come up with like uh uh water water snakes. And Andy, snakes? It's like, uh, eel, eel. <laughs> and Teddy could say, well, they look like, say, no, they don't. I feel like you could, I feel like that moment could have been plussed personally. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Are Did we giving joke like notes? Uh, I, I liked when they uh, steal the car at the wedding in Sicily, but then when they pulled up to the, uh, to the ruins, someone should have gone, congratulations. Stuff the <laughs> when they get out of the car. <laughs> That would have been funny. No, I mean, I, yes. Uh, yes. I like that. Would have worked. I think just from what I mentioned before, indie deep sea diving is something we haven't seen. So I love that whole yeah. sequence. Yeah. You know, it was a little obligatory, kind of like the 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 bugs. You know, it's kind of happened to give you some thrills. Well, the bugs maybe were more obligatory because we had a mission underwater, which was to get the the Graphicus, yeah. So, uh, but I enjoyed it, yeah, very much. It's new shit for indie. Five movies in, yes, please. <laughs> Agreed. Um, all right, well, let's deal with the finale. Um, Paul, what are your thoughts? I went to Shannon first on the last question. So, what are your thoughts on the fact that they went back in time? What are your thoughts on the fact that Indy wanted to stay? That Helena had to talk, had to fight him. That Archimedes actually had conversations <laughs> with Indy. <laughs> And they left the watch and they left the watch for Archimedes to use. So did you think that they went too far with this ending? As you said, considering the night has been sitting around there for 800 years, they had, as Shannon pointed out, Hebrew ghosts coming out of the Ark. Dudes are putting hands in people's bodies and pulling out their hearts and shit. And we had aliens in the last movie. So did you like this uh, finale and this twist here? Or, or did you think it was too much? Yeah, I think I've covered it all in the action sequences uh, okay. conversation we had earlier, but I absolutely loved it. It's kind of like the gun being brought out in a in a scene. <laughs> Russian play. <laughs> <laughs> a gun being brought out, out in a... Yeah. Yeah, then you got to use it. So I think time travel, time is up. Well, we got to use it. Somebody's got to use it. I don't know how it's yeah. going to be used. So when they did it, I was like, great. Yeah, you got it. Uh, otherwise, you stop them. I mean, we opened the arc. You know, we we had the we saw the power of the stones you know all the things we saw we, we don't just keep them from the grail we got to get the grail and then see how it's used like it always and yeah. you see the spaceship going back to their dimension or whatever so uh, it had to happen and so i'm glad it did because it was just again 
the mayhem that unloaded at the end of that movie was so fascinating. Yeah, from yeah. the spears to the machine gun to the yeah. awe of the soldiers. And yeah, uh, Archimedes shows up. But again, the, the pacing is so quick. You don't have time to sit there and go, well, I don't know about this. I mean, it just <laughs> one thing to the next and you're just breathless. And uh, I, I thought because of that, it was fantastic. Who edited this? Man, I'd love, I should get that guy's name because uh, Faden Papa Michael, right, was your cinematographer who i thought and i never thought i'd say this was an upgrade from kaminsky i didn't think crystal skull looked all that good i thought dial of destiny looked fantastic um but i like the editing at the the pace at the end i think that had a lot to do with with it as well so yeah yeah andrew buckland andrew buckland michael mccusker and dirk uh westervelt are the editors credited on the movie and yes feeding oh faden papa michael is the uh dp on this one uh shannon your thoughts I don't, don't know those editors, but I wonder if they work with Mangold all the time because the, the DP does. He kind of brings those guys along. Ah, he brings the DP along with them. Hopefully, it's the the editors too. Uh, yeah, I clicked on his uh, on uh, um, Andrew Buckland, the first one up there, and Ford versus Ferrari and the Wolverine. These mm-hmm. are things he edited uh, with Mangold uh, as well. I don't see Logan, so maybe not quite Logan, but these other things he showed. Yeah, did. if it ain't um, broke, like- yeah, one hundred percent. Shannon, your thoughts on the twist here, on going back in time. Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Did you like the way the sequence all laid out with Indy eventually uh, coming back uh, to 1969? Uh, you know, I was unsure how I was going to feel about it, and I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. And knowing that with the plane crash, the watch that Archimedes got off of Voller, yeah. that that potentially helped him finish and Tiki Thera. Um, right. I was like, that. that's great. That's so, you know, it's it's one, I feel like this is one of those movies that me personally, I'm going to go back and get something new every single time because there was so much, there's so much packed in in terms of details. Um, I actually, <laughs> leading up to the, to the screening um, uh, on History's Greatest Mysteries on the History Network, hosted Ooh. by Lawrence Fishburne, um, they actually have an episode about the Antiki Thera. And how what how they uh, uh, used it because there were a bunch of different um, theories about what it was and the whole Archimedes Archimedes um, it being invented by Mark, um, Archimedes and yeah. it being potentially kind of like a supercomputer they were kind of put together yeah um, but they talked about how these gears that 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 they only found a portion of it. But these gears that are inside, they're like, this shouldn't exist. Like, like, there's no way this should oh, exist. Right. So knowing, going in that when before Mangold signed on, whatever the previous script was that I do believe David Kep wrote, um, it was a different MacGuffin. It was mm. a different thing they were looking for. And apparently it was Mangold and his team that brought in the Antikythera. Wow. And for, you know, normally the best MacGuffins in this series have been... Uh, uh, Christ related <laughs> um, this one I think for not having a religious a religious based or yeah. a Christi- Christian Judaism based uh, MacGuffin I thought this was awesome and a thing that I had no idea of its existence and really being able to take these different theories about what this thing was yeah. and really being able to flush it out so the fact that they did go back in time um, I thought was just so so much fun and Again, I wish I wish we could have seen more. Like, uh, I I would have I would have easily watched a three hour cut of this movie. <laughs> well, no, did he say that? No, somebody else said that. Oh, I thought Blame there was those editors. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I just say can I say one thing I pointed out to Shannon over the weekend too when we were talking? A friend of mine pointed out to me is that when Teddy sneaks away from and he goes and gets in trouble, right? He buys the gelato yeah. and he steals gelato. money, I think, from a kid who's watching a puppet show. Uh, this puppet show is of the Battle of Syracuse. Oh, right. Yes. And there, there's, there's a dragon. A dragon. There's a dragon there's in a it. Dragon, right. Oh, wow. So it's like retelling the story because that plane shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great point. Yeah. Uh, by the way, shout out to Nasser, Nasser Memarzia. He's the actor who plays Archimedes. Um, I remember seeing him in The Night Manager, which was an awesome series that AMC Plus uh, uh, did um, uh, based on the John Le Carre uh, book with Tom Hiddleston in the lead. It was really good stuff. So it was nice to see him pop up here. Archimedes and I thought he handled it well like the acting of it you know he's like oh interesting and his little assistant's like oh shit don't <laughs> yeah. get away from him and he's like no no, 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 no calm down kind of like his mini short round it was kind of his version of the short round in that situation so yeah you were I, always was, meant to meet me that's I mean he yeah is. yes he was, like, was not gonna be as scared this is this was all supposed to happen yeah that yeah, was cool I also think that maybe Shannon they moved away from the religious aspect because you know that's become something that's not necessary. It's kind of divisive now in our world. So maybe they went with something that's a little more agnostic in their approach to things to make it work within the construct of what people maybe want to see nowadays. You know, maybe it's well. Not- I liked. I, yeah. I told Paul I like the inclusion of the lance of Longinus. That's also known as the spear of destiny. Yes, that, right. This right. the spear that stabbed that when Christ was being crucified, it was the spear that uh, a Roman soldier stabbed him with, and it's right. supposed to have some you know supernatural powers. And I would think that sometime between eighty nine and 08, when they were developing different scripts, that that was potentially a MacGuffin Ooh. that they were going to look for. So I yes. thought that that was a I thought that was a fun nod. It is the MacGuffin from Constantine. Right, um, yes. with Keanu Reeves. Yes, yes. But the fact that it wasn't the real one, I think also spoke to the fact that they weren't going in a religious direction, which I thought was uh, kind of smart to the way it was done as well. Um, More Shannon- great dialogue in that scene, though, with uh, Weber, uh, Kretschmann's mm-hmm. character, and Toby Jones. You know, he's like, uh, you know, because of its power, and he's like, it's, it has no power. You know, like it, it's a big nothing. The whole thing, yeah. the whole wondering of everything, just pointless. Stupid, pointless Nazis. Anyway, <laughs> that was my Shannon, take. You kind of alluded to some issues uh, with the movie, so I'm going to hit you first, and then Paul. Like, what what are the things that you didn't like about the movie? I know you've already mentioned a couple of them. Are there anything else? Is there anything else that you would have liked to see from seen from the film, or worked better in the film? I mean, I think I probably would have liked, I mean, I hadn't thought about it until just now, or uh, until we were chatting, but I would have liked more interaction between Indy and Teddy because okay. having having Indy be like oh they've got Teddy it, it's just like okay <laughs> like the they got the, yeah like they, they've got him and then he and they said he's gonna tell him what he knows and I'm like okay so how much does he know like I mean I, I would have loved when when Helena was telling Indy uh, about Teddy how they met and yeah. Indy said and Indy referencing short round being like yeah I had I had one of those. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I feel like there <laughs> were I feel like there were more missed opportunities. But again, when you're dealing with a movie that is over two and a half hours, you you have to you have to choose. So a lot of the things that I'm probably suggesting potentially they're there. They're just you know they're just on the cutting room floor. Um, despite the fact that I would have watched a three hour cut, I do think it was slightly <laughs> overly long. Yeah, okay. I, I think I think there were areas that probably probably could have been trimmed down. Okay. Um, but again, after watching that second, that second uh, viewing, 
a lot of my gripes felt felt like that's what they were they were gripes and i was able to put those aside and uh and uh enjoy the movie i wouldn't have killed Banderas. don't kill Banderas. that's a huge you got a a one-legged guy shooting the other leg that is (laughs) that's funny (laughs) uh what about you paul are there any issues that you had with the movie that we haven't spoken about or haven't touched on here in the in the review nope next question uh, bring up that picture. Bring up that picture of Banderas again. I mean, look how great uh, he is. Yeah, he's right out of. He's yeah, right he's out of King Kong, of isn't bitch. he? Look at this guy. Yeah, all right. right out of King Kong. That's I would an have AI picture, that. isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I would like to have had more of him. So that's the uh, yeah. I think yeah. a universal gripe of ours that two little salty sea captain would have been fun to take him into Sicily and get rid of him there, you know. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was a shame. Uh, I originally was turned off by the high body count of collateral damage until I realized most of it was necessary. First of all, setting up the villainy and yeah. uh, framing Indy for a crime that makes him have to kind of another nudge for him to go on the run and this crazy adventure to get out of Dodge for his own safety. Right. Uh, but no, I mean, honestly, I'm, I've started to read the reviews because there's nothing as bad in this movie as communist fighting monkeys. And so when I think back of this movie (laughs) to what's bad, I'm having trouble coming up with stuff. Like there's nothing as weirdly. Did you know in the novelization of Crystal Skull, the monkeys help Shia fight the communists because they share a haircut. Yes. It's the Pompadour. Uh, And so it's (laughs) dumb, right? So no dumb here, uh, really not not all that much dumb. And so I appreciated all that. Yeah, I've just read things where like it's convoluted. No, we have half a thing. We got to get the other half before the other guy. Done. We get a map to get to the thing. Is that the part that confused you? We needed a map to get to the thing. I'm hitting my microphone. Uh, so I, I honestly, the more I watch it, the more I see just like cool stuff. Yeah. Like Indy taking when uh, Marion walks to the fridge at the end to put groceries away. He's slyly in the corner of the screen, removes her magnet that he put over her face. And so he doesn't look yeah. so bad should the door shut. And she sees that where he put the mag magnet over her photo earlier mm. you know and it, all the little things panning his his uh apartment for the first time you see the shot of henry jones senior and i thought that was mutt next to him but what i didn't see was the american flag folded yeah. the way they give it to you when a serviceman dies so i'm just finding more good things every time i watch this i'm honestly mm-hmm. having trouble with coming up with stuff that i really don't like oh wait can i put on my shannon hat yeah yeah in one of my favorite scenes when uh, he knocks on the window, the guy rolls the window down and he punches him. He throws him on the ground. Then a bunch of uh, Germans get behind him in the, in the car yeah. and he looks in the rearview mirror and the guy, the guys in the motorcycle are flashing the lights as in let's go. But no one sees the guy he just punched on the ground. Shannon, <laughs> get on that. Let's take care of that guy. Let's have him, uh, I don't know, be put somewhere else. So we don't have that. He, issue. he rolled Where into a ditch. Went. I saw there that. You go. I, see? I, I, it's I, that simple, I guess... Shannon. That that guy wandered into the, the cop wandered into the drugstore. He had to get some, yeah. you know, for his wife. I, so there you go, yeah. done. We, well, you didn't know he was the ancestor of the um, of the taxi cab driver in, or the policeman in New York. He's the ancestor. Of the there you go. That's why. That's why he didn't want to help Indy. Like, nah, I've heard of you. <laughs> family of guys. We used to talk about you away. over Schnitzel. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, one last thing to talk about here, Mangold's direction, guys. I mean, we've, we, I think, you know, we've given, I think we've talked about the script and our feelings about the pacing and everything. So I was going to put that as a section of the review, but I feel like we've covered it in many uh, of our conversations already, but Mangold's direction, let's talk about that, Paul. I mean, what did you think about James Mangold's direction? Did you enjoy uh, how he uh, constructed this film? And yes, although maybe we might agree that it's slightly overlong, did you in the end enjoy his take on Indiana Jones and what he was able to do with this film as a director? Yeah, I didn't find it overlong. Again, uh, it was one of the things when I'm watching it again, like every scene kind of has importance. I, would, I didn't feel like we were in a scene where nothing was going on for a while. We were just killing time in a casino on Canto Bite or whatever, you know, like let's get to the, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. this movie got to what's important seemingly from one thing to the next. And I think that's Mangold and the editors he's worked with a long time putting together something that, that for me clipped. So I like yeah. that part of the direction. He, he, he doesn't shoot an action sequence quite like Spielberg, but he certainly shoots an, shoots an exciting one. There are more shots Spielberg might have had in there. Uh, maybe some little more creativity in the New York fight, but no, I can't even see that. I mean, Indy facing down a train in the subways. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry I can't bring anything bad to these conversations. But damn it, the direction was good, too. I loved it. Yeah. Certainly more close-ups, tighter quarters. Yeah. I think where Spielberg likes to have more space so you can see the possibility of them getting out. James is more caught up in making you feel that sense of like, you can't get out of the situation. How are you going to get out of it with his close-ups and his action sequences? And he did that in Logan. He does that in Ford versus Ferrari as well. Although that's different kind of action sequences on the, on the, on the road there in the race, but you sense that from his work. Shannon, what did you think about uh, James Mangold's direction? Was this a, did he put his stamp on this film? Was it a confident effort here from him uh, taking over from Spielberg um, in this film? Very much so. Very much so. I mean, Mangold directed a Spielberg movie the way Mangold would. Like, that's because, I mean, yeah. it was very much, I mean, there was so much Spielberg in the movie. Right. Um, but the I think the tone of the movie was maybe a little more serious than we've seen in the past. Um partly from the villain's side and, and, and the body count, but also partly dealing with um, where Indy was at this point in his life. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't mean it wasn't funny. Like there were some very, there were some very funny moments, My turn. Um, but, it, yep, yep. <laughs> but it definitely, I mean, we definitely got a more heartfelt Indy yeah. uh, in, in, in this one. Um, no, I thought Mangle did a, a great job. I mean, again, the, the, need for fresh eyes on something um i think i think spielberg stepping away was absolutely the right choice and they picked the perfect director to uh to fill in for him i mean james mangold is the only other person that has directed an indiana jones movie outside of steven spielberg so that's an awesome feather to have in your cap yeah that's massive i agree i thought his direction was fantastic very confident very much his own film uh, and people are upset that it isn't for more Spielberg. Uh, it doesn't evoke the best of Spielberg, but that's because it's not Spielberg. It's James Mangold's approach to it. And I liked it. There's more, there's quiet times to have these conversations. As Paul mentioned earlier, the, the conversation on the boat with him and Helena, when he's talking about Mutt and what happened to Mutt, you wouldn't see that in an Indiana Jones previous films. There are moments of humor or whatever, like there are quieter moments. Sure. But that moment is great. It mirrored to me the moment where, 
Um, Henry Jones Jr. or Sr. says Indiana to Henry when he's hanging mm. out the thing trying to grab the grail. That moment, you know, also the possibility of losing his oh. son in a moment and then him realizing in that conversation with Helena, which is the beginning of his healing, is that I might have pushed him because he wanted to prove something to me, just like I wanted to prove something to my father, right? There's a lot of emotional family trauma that you're dealing with that he was able to have the conversation about with Helena, which I thought was great. The interactions with Banderas were funny. Like, I just loved the way he worked throughout the movie. Yes, I agree that the negative stuff for me is that it should have been more with the CIA people, I think. A little bit more of that kind of understanding through it all, that would have been good to see. But in the end, absolutely enjoyed it. So I, I thought uh, top to bottom, Mangold had some really interesting. And I liked the way he did the action sequence. It was different. It was still felt like the best of indie, but different. And I, and I kind of like that approach. Um, that's it. I some of these that, two maps. I mean, oh, sorry, let me yeah. say one last thing on that. I think no, no, please. that uh, it's the tough thing to do with the cia people because i agree with you that it could have been more but i don't know yeah. how i don't know how much better you can introduce what they're there to do to sort of guide the government's presence in voler's work yeah without a monologue about what they're doing now listen voler you know we were sent here by the blah 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 to do that <laughs> and then you'd be tired of a monologue explaining everything right, you right. want to kind of keep it in the active moments so that's a tough line to cross uh to to Tough line to balance, I should say. And they did maybe, okay, maybe, but I, I don't know what was missing. I don't know how to fix it, with, yeah, yeah. but I, I see what you're talking about. Maybe a call from the government, and they're in their offices, and he gets the call, and you see the board. They've been tracking Bowler and whatever, and it's the team. And then he, the guy in the crutches, gets the call. Gets, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Then he comes into the boardroom and says to them, this is the situation. This is where we're going. This is what we're after. And then, boom, you're done with that scene, and you move forward. So you have an understanding of who's, who fits where you know, in the pieces, yeah. but maybe, maybe something like that. Um, yeah. Right, I had trouble some... trying to figure out who was with what, you know, right. Was she, yeah. Was yeah. Jason with yeah. Them? yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of questions. Cause it seemed like she was on his side for a while uh, and not sure on what, how they were going. Um, all right. The Cali kid says, uh, Hey, the Indiana Jones, the Dallas destiny is like an all you can eat delicious giant pizza with extra fan service <laughs> toppings. Great fun summer movie. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that uh, one critic say that the Nazis were like negative fan service. I'm like, I, you can't, can you punch too many Nazis? Is this like, yeah, right. I, I mean, I'd watch a whole movie of Nazis getting punched and, and Indiana Jones didn't even have to be in it. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fan service, but it's also, you know, it's also not unfamiliar to the genre of Indiana Jones. So yeah, right. good call, man. It looks like that Andy Samberg skit where from SNL where he's punching people when they eat. Just make it all Nazis and he's just punching them <laughs> they eat food or something uh, before they see Kyle. Bang. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. We've got two streamlabs that came through, uh, both from Grabil Fuentes. Thank you, Grabil. I love the spoiler reviews from the Geek Buddies. I watched the movie on Saturday. I really liked it. I'm planning on rewatching tomorrow for the 4th of July. That parade scene was beautifully filmed. It was awesome to watch Harrison Ford on a horse through the subway uh, for a moment there. They really had me. I actually thought that Indy was going to stay in the past. He looked determined to stay really convinced like a man accepting his fate. That's why when Helena punched him really took me by surprise and Phoebe Waller bridge was awesome. Yeah. Shannon, those two sequence, those two moments, I, I think, you know, we've talked about the ending, but yeah, the parade scene beautifully filmed. Speaking of Mangold's direction and the cinematography, that was really fun uh, as well. Yeah absolutely absolutely and uh yeah I, there was an audible the gasp. Next to me. i'm sorry 
They've opened the ark next to me. Let me go to the handle. <laughs> um, there was an audible gasp slash laughter when yeah. Phoebe, when Helena decked him. Yeah. When, when he says, you know, I, you know, I have to do this. And she's like, so do I. Bang. Bang. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was great. And, and again, I feel like that's probably not something you, Spielberg would have done. Right. Um, no. But I thought it was great. Yeah, I agree. Paul, did you like the I punch? I had to deal with the arc. What? The punch? Oh, yeah. Oh, the punch. Did you like what the Phoebe Waller-Bunch? So many people are complaining about the punch. Some I even I haven't even that. seen the movie. Right, what, what do they want? To leave him there to die with a gun wound? I mean, that's she, she laid it a lot on the table. She's like, no, he has to go. He has to go back to his place. I mean, it's right. the ultimate realization of her humanity that she didn't have at the beginning right. of the movie. She's like, I know, I I love you now. Right. We got to get you out of here. You're not going to die here. He has to build his own tie. He tells him, they said, no, you have to. It's kind of funny because he's just kind of staring at her, uh, Archimedes. He's saying, no, you have to build your own dial. We got to go. And then it came yeah. to a head because Indy wouldn't listen because he was uh, determined. It was still determined. There was nothing for him to live for back Yeah. Uh, in the real time so What's yeah a great big point. fan of that paul you bring up a great point because like you know i didn't think about this till you said it but like she attaches a hatred of indy to her father like you turned my father into this him going on these adventures with you made him crazy about this artifact you guys are, so i blame you for what happened to my dad and i so i really don't care about you even though i'm your goddaughter and i'm mad and it's all mixed up and so that by the end when she's the one that has to bring him out, she does it from a place of actually learning to care about him. And then, of course, we get that wonderful scene with him and Marion at the end and grabbing for the hat and whatever. Which she probably asked him to put that on just for old time's sake. If you know well, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, she says, are you back? And if he's yeah. not, he's of no use to her. Yeah, right. 100%. So, And the hat yeah. may be just a symbolic version of he's back. Yeah. We're not getting yeah. another movie, but Indy's back. Right. Guys, you're going to have to accept this, men. I'm talking to all of you men. You're going to have to accept this. At some point, you're not going to be as strong as you were before. You're not going to have the balls that you had before. You're not going to have the ability to do the things you had before. The women in your life, if you're straight, you're cis, the women in your life, cherish them. They, will, they have been through, with you through the wars, and they will be with you in the descent, and, they ha and you have to cherish that, all right? Whatever your partner is, whatever your sexual identity is or orientation is, cherish the partner that's with you because they're sometimes going to be the last person that can help you guide you through this stuff. And I hate that people get, I hate that there's people on the internet who take any situation where a man has to kind of admit that he can't do it anymore as some kind of weakness. That's actually strength asking for help. So I, it drives me nuts. So it's my little, my little mini Ted talk. Um, all right. <laughs> and uh, one last thing, and I'll go to Paul first, Paul, where do you rank this one? Oh, and see, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem with you've I'm seen it three more... times, Paul. You're, 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 more time, you're qualified though. to make a ranking here. I feel like I'm gonna need more time. Can it be ranked <laughs> this quickly? I mean, I, it, Raiders of the Lost Ark has been with me for 42 years. Yeah, that's, that's a true. clear number one, but that's always uh, been your number. That's yeah, it. exactly. So that's not good. So that won't be a, a unseated. Well, yeah, it, a half of it has to do with the time that it's been with me. You know, everyone's favorite movie of all time. I think about their response. It's like, you know, I love No Country for Old Men. I love mm -hmm. Broadcast News, for that matter, which came out six years later. I love, uh, you know, the La La Land. And there's, they're not going to be with me as long as Raiders. 
Raiders. So Raiders right. is the big win. Now, can one this soon have this point? When I was working at the movie theater in 1989, I would go in and watch oh, the God. best moments of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade every night. I worked. I shut down the yeah. popcorn machine, go in and just say, like, listen to the crowd react, watch the best moments of that movie. Oh, I love cool. that movie. So yeah. can that – can Dial of Destiny unseat that? You're demanding an answer is what you're doing. Well, I'm not demanding, but I, I, I'm certainly requesting. <laughs> We're doing a show. Uh, there are people watching a show, and you should. Uh, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I, I planned this. I feel like I let you know this ahead of time. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to um, plead the fifth, uh, that's your right, and I can go to Shannon. All right, I'm going to go with my, again. I've referred to Adam with who I do this podcast with. Yes, like he came out of he came out of Avengers Endgame. He's like that's the best movie I've ever seen. Like, well, what about Jaws and Raiders and Star Wars? Yeah, it's the best movie because of recency bias. All right, so I'm going to employ recency bias and say Dial of Destiny is number three. Mm, number three. Wow, strong, strong yeah. statement. Crusade Mr. McClung? Is great. Temple of Doom has grown on me. I saw it six nights in a row when it first what? opened. Yeah, because I was young and I was like, I hadn't seen anything quite the level of that action. It was nuts. <laughs> And so I had to go every, it was three bucks, you know? Yeah, um, so I went uh, and then I grew up and it lost favor with me. I since grown back into favor with it just because of how insane it is. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to, but I think the adult me now loves dial Disney. I've taken into account movies, aging and myself aging. So I think I go Raiders crusade dial of destiny trending upward though, trending upward dial of destiny. Wow. Trending upward. That's a strong, there's your long, there's your long answer. I like it. Shannon, you're, you're, where do you rank it on yours? I mean, it is number four. It, okay. it, it does go Raiders, Last right Crusade. In. And Raiders and Last Crusade, they flip yeah. every other month. Depending on the Right day. now, it's Raiders, Last Crusade. It is Temple of Doom. Dial of Destiny is not that far behind it. And based off of what Paul is saying, because I've only seen it twice, um, by the end of the summer, by the time it comes out on Blu-ray, by the time it comes on Disney+, Plus. Could it step over Temple of Doom? Possibly, possibly. But right now it is number four. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes for you. That it will step over. We'll see though. Um, yeah, I have it number three right now. I, yeah, same thing. Raiders, um, uh, Crusade. Oh no, I have Crusade Raiders. <laughs> then Dial of Destiny. Sorry about that. Uh, then Dial of Destiny. And then like 40 notches below is Temple of Do or Doom and uh, Crystal Skull. Um <laughs> But but I have a feeling that because I rewatched uh, Crusade and Raiders over the weekend, um, I may have been mistaken. Uh, Raiders may be number one and Crusade. The Allison duty stuff is a little, you know, uh, weird. And you're right about the, the tapestries. Yeah, yeah that, that kind of takes a little bit away. So where I don't have any moments in, in Raiders that I have an issue with like that quite. And so I, I don't, I think that's why maybe elevates it a little bit higher. I, the Sean Connery thing, I was letting that overwhelm my overall thoughts on the movie, but the truth is there's, there's some uh, issues with crusade that Raiders doesn't have. So maybe it's Raiders crusade dial of destiny. And, but I don't think, but I don't think dial will overwhelm crusade, but I think it'll come close. Do you have an issue with Heil saluting monkey? <laughs> and do you have an issue with the hanger? Those are the only things that are like goofy in that movie. If you're cool, I don't have an issue with Raiders the is number one. Yeah. yeah, that hanger moment is brilliant. Uh, 
I don't have an issue with the monkey saluting. I think that's funny. Then Raiders got to be number one because, yeah, there's goofier shit elsewhere. Yeah, monkeys <laughs> in crystal skull. Is my yeah. Issue. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, and sense. Shannon, I'll go to you. Uh, final thing. Let's wrap up our review. No more Streamlabs Super Chats. And so let's wrap it up. Shannon, your final thoughts on this movie. Um, you know, I got out of the first screening. I really liked it. Came out of the second screening. I think I loved it. After this conversation, I don't think that I love it. I love it. And I really want to go. I really want to go see it again before the onslaught of the next three movies coming out this summer. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. If I could steal away after this review and go see it again, I absolutely fucking would. I absolutely would. Paul, uh, final thoughts on the movie. Uh, It was interesting that the. The, the folks who reviewed it after can didn't do it any favors. Of course, you may remember it was yeah. running right about 49%. When we got to opening weekend, that jumped up to 69%. These are all, you know, if you believe movies should be rated on a dead vegetable scale. But that, that were, those were the numbers we were looking at. And no, but no people numbers, right? Now, if yeah, you go yeah, to Rotten Tomatoes, it's no, yeah. 69% critics, 89% people. When this movie hit the people, I knew it would do well. For those yeah. who would go and see it, unfortunately, I've already been in arguments with people telling me, though, I don't like its new woke content and I don't oh, like Jesus. the fact that he's old and alcoholic. I'm like, have you seen it? No. Then we're done. Yeah, <laughs> we're done yeah. here. So yeah. if you see it, I think you're going to love it. And I absolutely did. I, I'll see it. I'm sure I'll see it a fourth time before the summer's up. I mean, yeah. nothing new is coming out this weekend, right? We got still a week and a half till or yeah, 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 a couple uh, days till MI7. So till yeah. MI7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's funny because a lot of these people who complain about that shit actually have fathers who drink, actually have uh, grandfathers who drink to deal with the fact that, you know, they've gotten older and they can't do it anymore, but they have an issue with their, their hero. I mean, yeah, I get it. I think this is way better done than Luke was in Last Jedi. I think this is a better interpretation of an older man embracing the fact that he can't do it anymore and has needs help, but can still find that strength when he needs it as the film goes along. Right, I, I would love to have seen James Mangold's version of the Last Jedi. I, I would have loved to have seen. Ooh. Um, well, how lucky are well, we? Right, well, like, oh yeah, go we're gonna see that go ahead, Jedi movie. Well, no, yeah, we're gonna see. I mean, if, yeah. if if everything goes according to plan, we are gonna see a Mangold Star Wars movie. So, Johnny, you're gonna get a version of your wish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Indiana Jones has to find Wolf. his work. Whoa, sorry. He walks ain't walk. They just have the same letters. I like that. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just saying. Uh, Indiana Jones has to find his place in the world. And we, we benefit because doing that involves him having a two and a half hour kick-ass action movie. So yeah. Thanks. Andy. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. My th- thoughts are, uh, this is a great return to form for Indiana Jones. I thoroughly loved it. I'm glad it's back. And if, if you're going to go out on this one, this one's a good one to go out on. Is it Raiders? No, but it's a damn good installment. And it honors the franchise, honors the characters, honors the performers, honors Spielberg who came before, Lucas who came before, and I think it really does work. The and and the more you watch it, you're going to get so much more out of it because I think people go in with expectations, and when it doesn't hit their expectations, they want to just destroy the film. But for me, I looked at six showings today before I went to see it, and after I went to see it, and they were almost sold out. Six showings, okay? That tells me that people who are writing the um, uh, epitaph on this movie so quickly after this weekend are going to be eating some crow, I think, 
as the week goes, weeks go along, people are going to go see this movie over and over again in larger numbers than people think. That's what I'm hoping for because it's been a week, it's a few days out, and it's still doing well. Whereas I saw the flash numbers were right in the tank. The Indiana Jones numbers are there and good in the theaters around where I am. So that's yeah, a this positive. is a this is a long weekend, and I think the people who wrote the demise of this film at the box office wrote that article a week and a half ago. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with John Roca, Park Ranger. My God, I'm assuming. Hey, so. Yeah, thank you very much, for the Park Ranger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So big shout out to the studio who sent me this hat for God's sakes to uh, do some fun stuff with. Um, all right, well there you go. That's our spoiler review for uh, Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny. Thanks so much for joining us on this July 3rd, the day before July 4th. Uh, we had a lot of fun discussing this, and certainly a lot of fun reading your comments, uh, your stream lives, and your super chats. And thanks for keeping the chat lively, everybody. Um, Paul, we appreciate it madly, brother. Please, thanks so much for taking the time. Ford Fiesta Podcast. The movie guys let people know where they can find you and all the social media stuff you have uh you can see my personal right down here at p preston la but follow the movie guys at the movie guys everywhere and if you go to the movieguys.net you'll see links to all the stuff we got going on the ford fiesta podcast the countdown to five podcast where my friend sean blodgett and i looked at just it's a quick easy podcast five episodes and we're going to do a sixth well, each one looks at an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, <laughs> and I also have a tour of movie locations you can check out there. The Movie yes. Guys LA Film Locations Tour. I've got an Ecto-1 out in my backyard. I do parties. You know, but there's a lot going on. So go check it out at, uh, at themovieguys.net. Thanks. There you go. Go check it out. And Paul, thanks for coming on the show, dude. It's been a while since we've done something together on my channel. So I think it's the first time, actually. So it's been great to have you on the show. I did but. something else before. Yeah, but I, it was, it oh, was yeah. it's been a minute. So, but twist yes, my yes. arm to talk movies. So we had you and Adam on, on the Outlaw, the old L school Outlaw Nation show. Yeah. There so thank go. you very much for coming back on. Shannon, what do we have to tell these fine folks who've been listening to us and watching? Yeah, if, like to, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow the absent Mr. Vogel, who's living it up in Cape Cod, it's at MK2. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to follow mr roca who's still in san diego it's <laughs> at the roca says that's right if you want to um it, it, you know we appreciate you all uh, watching and listening to the show uh we really would appreciate you all subscribing to our podcast that's a really big deal we've jumped over to realm uh dot fm and they're a fantastic uh, um uh, organization who is now who we are now representing one of the few uh, shows on their channel because they do a lot of fiction and non-fiction stuff we're one of the few talking head shows on their channel and we'd love it if you subscribe to our podcast and uh and uh, uh give us the support and show them the numbers that they've been looking for to see from us as we just jumped over to them in june so it'd be great to have more and more thousands of people subscribing to our podcast so please make sure you do that as for my channel please make sure you're subscribed to the channel this is where the geek buddies lives so hit a subscribe button hit that bell button so you see when we're dropping any of the content that we got going on and listen we got a main show we got a secret invasion review coming up later this week we got a star trek strange new worlds coming up at some point if i finish warriors season one and two shannon and i maybe might jump into doing some season three reviews so there's a lot going on for the geek buddy so please subscribe down below and hit that bell button so you see we're dropping all the content all right y'all take care of yourselves be well we love you madly indy five it is here we loved it go see it again and we'll talk to you next time with a brand new spoiler review here from the Geek!
Buddies! <gasps> hey. hey. It's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.